Welcome to Furcast. This is episode 391. I'm your host, Paradox the Red Wolf. I feel like cinnamon is a lie. <laughs> cinnamon is a hoax. There are a number of different spices also been sold as cinnamon. Like, I'm learning so much because there's cassia oil, but it's like made from the evergreen trees. But different evergreen trees make different cinnamon. But then there's like cinnamon bark. Then there's like also cinnamon. Also cinnamon? Like, like cassia oil is like Chinese called Chinese cinnamon. What is it, like American cinnamon, the other cinnamon that we're like, it's on a cinnamon bun? Yeah, I don't think so. I don't, I don't understand I don't. why there's so many cinnamons. Or cinnamon, like the flavor that we've assigned to this spice. And it's just in general cinnamon. I quite like cinnamon <gasps> and stuff. Oh, I recognize the smell. What? Now that you mentioned it being like Chinese, I've been I've been to like several Chinese like medicine shop. I call it like hoax or whatever, but they do smell like this toothpick. That's using Chinese remedies. Yeah, exactly. That's why I'm familiar with this smell. Did you try my wood yet? No. These guys are like smelling toothpicks. No, you try my wood. It's it's delicious wood. Okay. It is delicious. It it's is ther- very it's spicy. therapeutic. <laughs> Try my therapeutic wood. I, like how, I just want you to try. I like how it says right on it, mint toothpaste. Does that mean cinnamon is a form of mint? I don't know. Mint is a different kind of plant. It's not really a... Actually, it... I don't know how spices work anymore. <laughs> and I'm your catnip chewing cat kitty Mrooski. I'm your cinnamon obsessed hot fox host, Pharaoh. Welcome to Fergast. Um... So, a couple things. Uh, one, uh, daylight savings time fuckery. Some of you guys have probably already noticed. Um, we're still at zero UTC right now because uh, North America does daylight savings at a different time than Europe and also a different time than Oceania because fuck you, of course. That's why. Uh, I really wish daylight savings would just go away. Um, so, sorry about that. Um, but that's okay. So, next week... Um, on the 31st of October, well, it's the 31st for us, but it's November 1st for uh, most other listeners and when we're live, technically, um, in UTC time zone. Um, so we're still going to be at zero UTC uh, on the 31st, which, by the way, is also Halloween. Um, but that is actually going to be uh, the last forecast episode for a while. That's going to be the season finale. We're probably going to be going on a break for... I would guess a couple months um, because A, we need a break and B, I'm going to be in the middle of moving. Um, so I'm not really sure. We'll probably do like a Christmas special or something or we'll do little videos or I'm sure we'll have something that we'll be doing in the meantime. Um, but uh, yeah, we'll probably show's going to go on hiatus for like a couple months, for like a season finale. Um, to patrons, uh, I'm going to pause the Patreon Um Probably right at the beginning of November. So uh, essentially all like you can still technically quote unquote be a patron, but there will be no payments made until we come back um, is the way I'm going to do that. Um, And then uh, also there's going to be a Friday Night Tracks live stream. That's our music podcast. It's a members only podcast podcast but the live streams are still public so if you want some good music we're gonna have some like dancing fursuiters and there's gonna be like dj sets and it's probably gonna be like a four or five hour long show of just tons of music uh you can check that out it's on twitch uh, i believe it's twitch.tv slash friday night tracks and that's going to be um same time that furcast is but it's gonna be the day before so it's gonna be the 30th of october if you're in uh north america or the right technically switching over to the 31st if you're in europe or well, if you're in Oceania, it's like in the middle of the afternoon or something like that. Um, and then finally, 
uh, 11 days left until the end of America. Or possibly <laughs> not. Faye put that in the intro. Um, yeah, we, we have an election coming up in, in the States, and we don't know if it's going to go really well or really poorly. I think either way, it's still 11 days till the end of... Yeah, either way. 11 days till the end of that. Hey, so we had a good run. <laughs> America. It's fun while it lasted. Uh, but yeah. Um, do the clocks in the USA change November 1st? Yes. So it's it's the night of the 31st. Basically, it's November 1st at 2 a.m. So it goes 23, midnight, 1, and then 1 a.m. again, and then 2, and then 3, and then 4. So it's like we kind of repeat 1 a.m. essentially. As soon as it hits 2, it goes back to 1. You get a chance to redo it. Yeah. We get to, we get to <laughs> it's like Groundhog's Day. Yeah, we get to redo 1 a.m. Um because humans are dumb and daylight so if you kill is... someone at 1 a.m. on Groundhog's Day, they don't actually die because it's right at 1 a.m. again. It's like Happy Death Day, you know? Yeah. Like, everything just restarts again. That's It's weird. Because you totally can't fill out legal paperwork in UTC. <laughs> but, yeah. Yeah, anyway. It really sucks for us because the whole hour repeats. So if you're doing like, any progress on a, like, a story or a report. Yeah, yeah you got to restart. Yeah. Basically, after the hour ends, like you just come back right at the beginning, and you're like, "Wait, I just wrote all this," and you just lose all your work. <laughs> if you if you were playing a video game and you were like winning, it resets. <laughs> but, really if you're lo- but if you're losing, it resets too, though. So it's kind of like a, you know. Basically, you just don't want to do anything in that hour time span until you get to the next part of that hour. Yeah. Just like don't don't do anything bad or good because it'll like. You know, it, well, if you want to do bad, that's fine because it's just going to be rewritten. Well, right, but I'm just saying, like, don't enjoy yourself because it all gets reset anyway. So, like, even if you're like, oh, you know, I'll just go take a walk and enjoy myself. No, because even that, you lose it. So it's like, mm-hmm. what if your insurance expired on November first? Um, I I, I got to think of a how it logic. works. <laughs> so, like, let's say your insurance expires at like one. 30 a.m. What kind of insurance? Uh, auto insurance. Okay. Or or, or or house insurance, let's say. Okay. And your house catches on fire at like... Well, usually stuff expires, goes away at midnight, which... Because mm. so I'm, I'm trying to... Keep, fun- in, keep in mind, every time zone in the States... got a contract that every, ends at one. Keep in mind, every time zone, as far as I'm aware, every time zone, at least the way we do it in North America, I think is every time zone switches daylight savings at their own time. Mm-hmm. So technically, for a short moment, uh, depending on the direction of daylight savings you're going, yeah. there are two time zones in the U.S. Like, the two zones are yeah. the same time until it hits the next one, and then they switch. It's like, I'm trying to figure out a way to make money out of time zone differential <laughs> with, like, legal contracts. I mean, sure, but... You get to only make money twice a year? <laughs> yeah. It's like a side gig. <laughs> side gig. <laughs> Only when the times yeah. change. There probably is some system that actually could be exploited that way. Like most computer systems just use UTC yeah. and then they just display stuff in an offset. But if you're talking about a contract that's written based on a certain time. Yeah. Yeah. Technically, maybe you could fuck with that. So like you rent a super expensive gear that costs like a thousand, no, two thousand dollars an hour, let's say, and you rent, you rent it for like two days, and you're supposed to return it on November like two a.m. Where are you making money on this? Right. Let's say you're renting keep, keep a super mind, expensive camera gear, okay. and you're renting like a C, I don't know, six hundred, 
and it costs two thousand dollars an hour to rent it. Okay, but, here's but you idea. rent it on October thirty first at ten ten p.m. and you write a contract saying that I Keep have mind, to return most it. Most rental stuff is like minimum or maximum time. So, like for instance, like if you rent most things for like five days, yeah. they just say, "Oh, that's a weekly rental." But they, I'm sure there are things that you can rent based on hourly rates. I mean, servers, but that's based on UTC. Uh. Anything technical is going to be based on UTC. That's the problem. You need to you need to exploit a dumb contract, not anything that's based on a technical system. Pay a plumber by the hour, but make him work midnight <laughs> till two a.m. It's like, ah, oh, I Why? work two got, hours. Yeah, but most plumbers have a minimum like bill time. Yeah. So like at my company, for instance, we have a one hour minimum bill time, especially if we have to drive to a client. Yeah. Even so, if I'm only there for ten minutes, I bill an hour. Yeah. So have them. So. Contract them out to do three-hour works at midnight. Okay, and then but then you only get two 1st. hours. Yeah, but you bill them for. Uh, I only get bill for two hours because they <laughs> technically work from zero 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 November to zero 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 two November, even though they work three hours. So this this is what must be called a cat scam. Yes, it's scam or UT. No, it's no, it's a, no, it's a cat scam because you're scamming them. It's you. <laughs> So it's a cat scam. It's a Marusky scam. Yeah. Okay. If you ever have to do work on your house and contract someone out, do it at midnight of November 1st. Okay. Yep. Could also have sex for that entire hour and then finish like a minute into the next hour and be like, wow, there's only one minute sex. <laughs> That's totally how that works. Or do a speed run. <laughs> for a video game that usually takes like hour and 30 minutes. It's elapsed time. He's a time, cat. He doesn't understand time, how time works. Time zone doesn't affect that. <laughs> like, don't get me wrong. I'm sure somewhere there is an exploitable system that is like badly programmed or something that can be exploited. But your but exploits like... are not exploits. <laughs> <laughs> All of your ideas of exploits are not exploits. I'm sorry. I need to. I need to break this harshly to you. Damn it. Or, or, like, most of the exploits are like, oh, well, we'll spend money, but I'll spend slightly less or something. Yeah. That's not really an ex- like, yeah. It's not really a money-making scheme. Okay. I'm are... going to spend money, but I'm less. Just, I'm just waiting for Maruski to, like, somehow figure out, like, he just somehow comes home with, like, ten bags of chicken nuggets or something, and he's like, guess what? I got half of these for free because of the time zone change. Like, somehow, like, exploited some point-of-sale system somewhere, and you just have, like, bags of... Something that's like completely useless. <laughs> hmm. Or fib, fibs. I just imagine you come home with like a ton of fibs, but somehow you only paid for like half of it. Right. I don't know. I'm sure there are bad programmers out there who didn't who didn't write their uh, time based based on UTC, but based oh, absolutely. on like yeah, local it's, things. It's definitely a thing, mm-hmm. but I mean, the, your chances of finding it. And some kind of a system. Well, some guy is out there hacking every single McDonald's POS machine to get free. No, it's it's not free ice cream. To find out if the ice cream machine is up or down. If the ice cream machine is up or down, yeah. Yeah. That was amazing. So uh, if if some guy can do that, I'm sure some guy can exploit the time zone differential to get free ice cream. Yeah, it's like an office space. (laughs) What space? Office space. For every transaction, they take a few cents. It's also yeah. one of those things uh, where, like, you're going to put so much time into planning this that the amount of time, if you had just, like, worked a normal job, will be offset. So, like, <laughs> it's one of those things where it's, like, if you spend, like, 
several hours trying to like get a ten dollar coupon to work or something. <laughs> you've also just wasted your own time. It's like, so it's like how much is your time worth, you know? But get it? <laughs> how much is your time worth? Ah. Uh. Hey, but, even if I put two hours into this, I'll I can say I only put an hour into this because I'll be losing an hour or I'll be gaining an hour. <laughs> See, I didn't waste that much time. <laughs> Kaiwana, quote, I'm sure there are bad programmers out there. Okay, you can stop right there. <laughs> no, no. There's no bad program. No. There's no vulnerabilities in anything. No. I don't, I don't even know what a vulnerability There's is. There's no medical equipment running on JavaScript. Come on. What are you talking what, about? What is, what is a vulnerability? It seems like a made-up word. Yeah, it's definitely not a thing. Vulnerability. It's all a feature, says Snowcat. <laughs> just a hidden feature. Yeah. All vulnerabilities are just hidden features. I love that. Yeah. Oh, I unlocked this hidden feature. It's an Easter egg. <sighs> or ATM machines still using Windows XP. I mean, that's sort of okay as long as they're on a completely isolated network and locked. The problem is some of them have exposed USB ports. There's actually a great article I was reading recently where they were talking about how, like, a lot of, like, ATM breaks, like, even though the ATM is running, like, really compromisable software, yeah. the way they break the ATM is still by physically breaking into the ATM and then just ripping the serial com off the computer and, like, you know, Raspberry Pi or whatever, get the, um, get the uh, cartridge machine to just eject all of the money. And it's mm. like, you know, it doesn't matter how vulnerable the PC is if you're just breaking into the ATM anyway. Mm. But yeah, IQ based discount. Anyway, all right, we should probably uh, run into the roundup. It's really long. Yeah, it's gonna be a uh, a quick roundup tonight, by the way. Um, or relatively, relatively quick. Welcome to the roundup. Roundup is the segment where we throw a bunch of links at you that you can check out on your own after the show. And fun fact, I actually forgot to open them. So I need to, I need <laughs> to open the links right now. It took, it's give me a second. Wait, almost done. Almost done. Almost done. I have to open all the tabs. <gasps> there we go. It's a very short roundup. So there was only a few that I had to open up. First thing in the roundup, hackers hijack Telegram and email accounts using SS7 mobile attacks. Um, this is a relatively interesting article. SS7 stands for Signaling System 7. It is... um. This isn't an accurate statement, but just to give you an idea, it's kind of like the BGP of text message of the of the telecom world. Um, not really, but you can kind of think of it like that. It's a it's an internal messaging protocol that a lot of like carriers use to handshake uh, things like text messages and other communication protocols on telecom systems, uh, and because of that. They were able to uh, gain access to uh, the SMS reset token. So um, these are things like, you know, when you get uh, a text message to verify logging into your account, um, which is one of the reasons that um, although any form of two-factor is better than no two-factor, SMS is probably the worst kind because SMS is incredibly vulnerable, particularly because of just carriers being vulnerable, things like SIM hijacking and SIM cloning and things like that. Um 
the point being, um, if you have a chance to enable a different type of two-factor, um, you're probably better off doing it that way. Uh, and if you get annoyed having to do that as an app on your phone, there are password managers that will also handle two-factor tokens for you. Of course, that really depends on your threat model, because um, obviously the idea is that you have to know something, your password, and have something, a physical device, like a mobile device. Um, but yeah, point being... Um, you know, if your Telegram account is important and is how everybody knows you and how everybody contacts you, make sure to secure it because there's lots of attacks out there for even things like the SMS verification. So next, uh, allegedly, where's the bell? Can you ding the bell? There we go. Allegedly, <laughs> NASA is about to make a major announcement about, quote, exciting news about the moon. They finally find the man. Yeah, I don't know. Um, the man on the moon? It is a, the, or the announcement is apparently Monday at noon, and rumor has it... There are Nazis on the moon. <laughs> I was thinking about that, too. <laughs> Nazis on oh, the yeah. dinosaur. No, uh, it's apparently... It, it, he made a movie he, about that. You know, Nazis on the moon. Uh, yes. It's ice. That's sure pro- it's not Nazis? No, I'm pretty sure it's ice, not Nazis, but okay. I, it might be... Ice disguise or Nazis disguised as ice. <laughs> yeah, they're well, tricky. We'll they are out. very tricky. Yeah, you never know. Um, by the way, uh, next item in the roundup, we finally know what dinosaur buttholes look like. Uh, due to some you know, new... I've stayed awake and many nights just pondering this. Like it's it's it caused so many like Traumas. sleepless nights. Well, in that case, you know who has a lot of work to do? Our sponsor, TwinTailCreations.com. You can check out TwinTailCreations.com. We'll talk about them more later on in the show. But we do have coupon codes that get you up to 20% off on their silicon adult products. Is a dragon a dinosaur, though? Uh, Is it? I mean, I don't know. I guess. Reptiles? Yeah, they're like... It depends on your opinion of... (laughs) Your opinion of dragon. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> That's such a weird statement to say right there. <laughs> Depends on your opinion of dragons. <laughs> anyway, shout out to TwinTailCreations.com, our sponsor. Uh, are dinosaurs just dragons or yeah, are dragons just dinosaurs? Maybe they can learn from, from this research. Like what defines a dragon and what defines a dinosaur? <laughs> I love the article. For the entirety of my career as a journalist covering paleontology, I've been wanting to know what does a dinosaur butthole look like? We should probably just read this one. I feel like this is... I feel like, we, you know, we will. We'll, we'll, we'll do this for the main news segment in just a bit. Well, move on to the final thing of the roundup here. Final thing is uh, there's a new version of Ubuntu out, and it's called Groovy Gorilla, and uh, it has really awesome art. Kind of reminds me of the Disco Dingo art. It's the same artist, by the way. Um, Sylvia Ritter is the name of the artist, in case anybody wants to follow them on Twitter. And, uh, yeah, there it is, Groovy Gorilla. It doesn't look mathematical. It's an animal art agent. But they but they were the ones that did Disco Dingo, which yeah. I love. It's so I like good. Disco Dingo. I more. know. Isn't that good? That's that's fucking legit. I like the gorilla art, but it doesn't follow the standard like Linux art. What? You know how how like all the Linux animal arts are drawn in like bunch of circles amalgamated together? No. And geographic, like geometric drawings. No? No. Didn't you notice that? How Twitter 
Twitter logo is also designed. Well, that's just a like general this. design concept with logos, but even Twitter doesn't follow, like, the circles don't meet up. Same thing with the Google logo. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You should show it. Oh, yeah, the, the Google, um, uh, let me see here if I can find a good example. Um, yeah, here we go. So here's, like, the basically talking about the actual, like, what would make it a perfect circle versus, like, the alignment of it and everything. Um, People have way too much time. Well, it's one of those things where, like, they design it to look good, not necessarily to be perfectly symmetrical, because sometimes making it perfectly symmetrical actually... Doesn't look good. Makes it, Yeah, it doesn't make it look good. Um, There's all kinds of, like, examples of... Uh, well, that's just somebody saying something else, but... But, uh, yeah. Anyway, that's the end of the roundup. Well, apparently Jesse liked my sponsor segue, and he said, slow down, Linus. <laughs> well played. <sighs> yeah, but it also still raises that question. Is dinosaur, are dinosaurs dragons or are dragons dinosaurs? I don't know. Why don't we read the article? See... I used to think that dragons are supposed to have wings, and that's the only thing that makes them, like, very different from dragons, but... I feel like you could just insult a lot of dragons that don't have wings. Yeah, but, but I was getting to that point. You don't need wings to become a dragon. So... What about dry Chinese dragons? They have to fly. Really quick, I just want to shout out the Minute Earth YouTube channel, which made a video on what dragon design is the most realistic based on like what we know about the biology. Best, the best dragon. Yeah. Hi, this is Julian from Minute Earth. Dragons don't exist, but if they did, which would be pretty cool, they'd need to conform to Earth's biological and physical rules. So we figured we'd make a fun video about which of these famous fantasy dragons would have the best shot at being more than just fantasy. So, yeah, there's a lot of different... Okay, I, I haven't watched this video, so I'm going to make a speculation. Uh, can, I, can I just say really quick, if you are a dragon furry, I recommend not watching this video, actually, because it is incredibly depressing. <laughs> We're moving on. Wait, Sorry. Wait, wait, who won, though? I, I, okay. I, I want to make a speculation as to who won. Okay. Show me the picture, though. Okay, so here we go. Um, So there's, let's see, the Skyrim dragon, the Vermithrax pejorative, the Chizard... Ender Dragon. Charizard. Char or Charizard. Or sorry. Chizard. I don't know anything about Pokemon. I'm sorry. Or whatever that is from. Uh, Pokemon, it's Charizard. Hungarian Horntail. Noiven. Noiven something. Drogon. Monstrous Nightmare. Uh, <laughs> Elliot. <laughs> Toothless, Valu, and Smaug. Okay, I personally am a big fan of Toothless, but I shouldn't base my judgment upon that. Um... Toothless, I don't think, can fly that well because of the shape of the body. He has way too much mammal-like feature in order to fly. I don't think he has um, hollow bones. I don't think he has the aerodynamic body shape. So he would not survive that well yeah. being so a who flying won? creature. Fast forward. Who, who won? Oh, who won? Let's see. Um, oh. Wait, this is right at the end of the video. Well, among our remaining candidates, the most realistic has to be the one with the biggest wings in relation to their weight. And the winner is... The Hungarian Horntail from Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire. Hey, there we go. So that one won. See, my, my reasoning was right. Weight to arm, arm length. <laughs> yeah, weight. Orange Grant says dragons have wings and screw that video 100%. <laughs> 
Wow, a lot of the dragon furs are really mad. <laughs> so yeah, but anyways, I highly if you recommend. have an ar- if you have arms, you're not a real dragon. <laughs> <laughs> You're just a big lizard. <laughs> <laughs> just walk up to a dragon fur and it's like, did you know that you're just a big lizard? I mean, I call all of my dragon friends lizards. Wow, that's offensive. Yeah. You should be ashamed of that. Yeah. Lizards don't have wings. Or like, like, uh, yeah, I, I'm trying to, like. It's what a pterodactyl be a dragon. Like my friend Rocky, I call him a mini dragon. <laughs> Wait, ter- that, that dragon is essentially just a pterodactyl. So yeah, so a pterodactyl is actually a dragon. <laughs> No, but okay. Why wouldn't it be? Why wouldn't a pterodactyl have be a giant wings. wings? They fly. They have giant claws. <laughs> Logic. Or... They have giant wings. They fly. That's it. And they're reptilian. Okay, dragons are just Hold on. pterodactyls. Quiet. I'm gonna just. Type. I'm gonna use voice search. Are pterodactyls dragons? There we go. <laughs> Frictional creatures, right? Wrong! Dragons were real, and science has now sort of proven it. Newly discovered dinosaur is basically a dragon. I mean, we know that dragons are based on... But did, like, like people from medieval era know about the dinosaurs? Because I don't think they had any knowledge of dinosaurs. But you'd find bones, and you'd say they're yeah, a dragon. I don't think they did any research into dinosaurs ever. I don't See, think... look at that. Basically, a pterodactyl's a dragon. <laughs> National Geographic, Geographic proves it. I mean, they kind of do, you know, the tarot dragon. They kind of just like like look like angry bird dragons. The true angry birds. Yeah, I'd say they're angry bird dragons. That's gonna be my new name for pterodactyls. Mostly because it's hard to spell. Yeah. I don't know how to spell pterodactyl. It's P-T. It's pterodactyl. Pterodactyl. Wasn't there an H? Uh, there was a YouTube video I remember. <gasps> the pterod- oh, is it the it's screamy like, one? I think so. It's 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 pterodactyls. Paradox search pterodactyl screaming on YouTube. A screaming music. I know there was a there was a YouTube creator that like made like an no, animated not that, one. not that one. Um, Pterodactyl sound. No, no, no. Uh, Pterodactyl screaming animation. I don't know what I'm. I scroll down a little. I know what. You know exactly. what I'm talking about. Though. Yeah. Yes. Like. It was a song. Well, maybe we can find it during the break. Here, let's read. Let's read the uh, the article about um, about dinosaur butts. Yeah, I will. <laughs> what if it's this helicopter of pterodactyls? I know there was a there's a famous YouTuber that like does like, like it's like a black and white animation. Yep. And I can't for the life of me, and it's like I, I know exactly what you're talking about, uh, and uh, it thank you. scarred me. You guys are like furiously trying to find. I, I need to know now. I know like it's it's like a song. Uh, but... I think it's literally just called pterodactyl song. <laughs> really, we've been searching the wrong. Just... Oh, she's gone. She's gone. Pterodactyl. She's gone. Pterodactyl. Yep. Is that it? No, I don't. think No. Oh, uh, okay. No. No, because I I thought I saw an image of it. 
and there's like, oh, it's black and white animation. Nope, not that. No. Hmm. So, uh, I feel like someone in the chat has to know this. Yeah, eventually chat will help us out. All right, why don't we why don't we do news? Why not? Go in there. Just logging into the chat, you know, because I didn't do that before. All right. That is, we do have a question, though. You know, the Chinese dragons, they really don't have wings. They just kind of, like, they just noodle through the sky. <laughs> they just noodle. <laughs> they do. They just noodle through the sky. <laughs> I like <laughs> Noodle is a verb for you, apparently. Have you seen Chinese dragons? Yes. How would you describe their air movements? Noodling. <laughs> I can't say it's like warming. In, it, they're not inching. They're like wiggling. It's it's a, a noodle in the sky. Yeah. <laughs> sky noodles. <laughs> Chinese dragons are occasionally depicted with bat-like wings growing out of the front limbs, but most do not have wings. Their ability to fly is mystical and is not seen as a result of their attributes. Okay. You can call them sky snicks. <laughs> sky snicks. No, because they're not really a snake. They're like a large noodle. I, I think it's a sky snick. I think it's a sky noodle. It's a sky noodle. Okay, but we imagine them flying. Literally searching plus, sky plus, noodle plus comes up have, dressed dragons. They have limbs. <laughs> Search sky noodle. <laughs> All of the images. <laughs> yep. Sky noodle. <laughs> we weren't the first. I love how there's actual noodles coming up. See, here's the thing, though. We all first learned about Chinese dragons from Mulan, the movie. Uh, what? Who? Mulan. What do you... No? No? The, no. No. Because no. that was my first exposure to sky dragons. Or, sorry, not, not sky, sky noodles. That's how I always imagine... Mulan? Yeah, Mulan. Seriously? That was your first exposure? To, yeah. Oh. Like, there were, like, tons of cartoons that had them back in the 90s. I mean... Jackie Chan Adventures. Yeah. Right. You mo go away fight Isao. I don't know. Or... Isn't there Jake Long, the dragon, or whatever? Yeah, there's that one. There's a lot of porn of him. Was, What's that... Like uh, Nickelodeon show about like bunch of dragons and this these two kids who go to magical world. And... Oh, that oh, I love that show is good. Uh, what I'm was trying it to called? What it was called? They were Asian kids. <laughs> I remember that, but none yeah. of the dragons. Yeah, were... the chat will remember that one in a minute. But none of the dragons were Chinese dragons. Dragon Tales on PBS. Ah, yeah, that was I remember it. That one. It was no, that... no. Oh, I don't think it was that. That's not the one you're talking about. There was Jake Long. And they all they all had like gems on their chest or their butt. I can't remember. There was a yellow dragon, yeah. the big dragon, and there was a uh blue one. The he looked like an alligator. Yeah. There was dragon tails. Um I don't remember the one that was like it was like them fighting. The one on Nickelodeon. It was like did they fight? Yeah, I thought, I thought so. I thought it, they were like learning kung fu or something. No, it wasn't violent. It was like very peaceful children show. Maybe it was Dragon Tales, the one you're thinking of then. 
I don't remember a lot of kids show anymore. <laughs> yeah, Dragon Tales, you're right. Yeah, and the blue one looks like an alligator. Yeah, um... Let me see all the ones for uh, Cartoon Network. Um, oh god, of course there's a bunch of fun ones. Or a bunch of them. This show is dedicated to dragons. <laughs> Sky Noodles. Sky Noodles episode. Basically dinosaurs. <laughs> Are those posing as large lizards? Because <laughs> um. then would Godzilla wouldn't be considered a dragon. Oh. oh, you pose a very good philosophical question, Faye. Xylon Showdown. Do you remember this one, Faye? Put it, put it on the TV. Yeah. Um, yes. That was the one I was thinking of. That was it was interesting. Let's see. Um, are there any in Avatar? No. I feel like there would be. Um, the Zelen showed on inches. Yeah, I, I remember this show. I have never seen this in my life. Really? Nope. I'm pretty sure it was Cartoon Network. Yeah, and there's the Sky Dragon. It was a good show. Let's see. No. Yeah. Nope. It was good. Um. It was motherfucking pterodactyl. That's the animation. <laughs> <laughs> That's what it's called. Motherfucking pterodactyl. P T E R O D A C T Y L. He the yep. motherfucking. This is it. Oh, the oatmeal. I knew. Jesus yeah. Christ. I didn't need to see that. Okay. Hey, it went back to the original conversation that we were having about <laughs> dinosaur assholes. Okay. And that has 54,000 views. Moving on. Can we do news? Not about motherfucking pterodactyl. He's here to tear you a new asshole. He's a motherfucking pterodactyl. <laughs> Basically a dragon. I'm ready. We finally know what a dinosaur butthole looks like. Finally. Yeah, I can actually sleep tonight. Now that we know this. You know, there was a scientist that for years, this was their research. <laughs> I don't know about that. I think an entire life has been... probably researched a lot of things. An entire life has probably been dedicated to this. We've talked about giving drugs to, like, octopus. They have, like, sample. They have, like, different, like, Butthole samples. Yeah, like, how tight is it? You know? 
the scale of dinosaur buttholes. Yeah. <laughs> is it's it my me- life's work. Is it measured in tightness? I don't think it's measured <laughs> or, in tightness. Or is it measured in this radius? Radius? Yeah. Wouldn't it just be closed? I guess. I know you're furries, you know, but buttholes are usually closed. They're not like the bag of holding, like much art depicts. What, depends on which day of the con you're on. <laughs> oh my god. I know it's called Otter Space, but... For the entirety of my career as a journalist covering paleontology, I have just been dying to know what does a dinosaur's butthole look like? When I wrote my beloved Brontosaurus, a book about dinosaur biology, the chapter on reproduction required a lot of time imaging wait, wait, hold the on. nature of Jurassic Park. I'm sorry. Sorry, sorry. Do dinosaurs have cloacas? Or I read the article. Okay. That's probably where this is going to go. Okay. okay. Because if they're derivatives of birds, and like most reptilians right now, have cloacas. Okay. Let's go. Which is just called the gross hole. <laughs> yes. No. Many of them. Yeah, looks like some of them did have cloacas. Unexpected, some. Unexpected. Oh, Smithsonian mag. Everything you wanted to know about dinosaur sex. Oh, all right. Unexpected item in bagging area. <laughs> A long article. Oh, look, they get all muddy. How romantic. My curiosity. It's what I actually wish want to go to a museum for, you know? Just, wow, I just want to call, you know, call out culture. You go in the museum and just like, I see all those freaking dinosaurs and you're like, that's the wrong type of butthole on those. You got to fix it. <laughs> you guys are phonies. <laughs> dinosaurs shared a common ancestor with alligators and crocodiles more than 250 million years ago and the modern birds are living descendants of dinosaurs. Therefore, we can surmise that the anatomical structure... Will you let me present- read... <laughs> I'm just reading this one. This is a different article. That's fine. Let me read this one first. Yeah, I I wanna, will, I we'll get know. to the conclusion. Stop jumping ahead. <laughs> You're researching too much. <laughs> when I wrote my beloved Brontosaurus, <laughs> a book about dinosaur biology, the chapter on reproduction required a lot of time imaging the nature of a Jurassic's behind. One had yet to be found preserved. <laughs> I just picture <laughs> a fucking dinosaur's ass, like in ice. <laughs> Like two butt cheeks, <laughs> frozen in time. Scientists are like perfect. It's magnificent. I'd say I'd say it's pretty hot. <laughs> it's got the tail. There's nothing else of the dinosaur left. It's just the tail and just two butt cheeks frozen in ice. Spread them. We can finally know. Even dinosaur models and sculptures, so Jurassic Pine wanted to be found preserved. Even dinosaur models and sculptures often demur on the point of where the dinosaur butt is, leaving the terrible lizards with terrible constipation. It's like an angel dragon, it has no butthole. <laughs> now I finally have a clearer view. Clairvoyance. Thanks to a fossil of a horned dinosaur called the Pizza Kosasaur? 
Pizzicosaur, described in a paper online earlier this month. These dinosaurs, which lived over 100 million years ago in what now is northeastern China, were odd little creatures. While belonging to the same branch of dinosaur family tree as the Terceratops, these Labrador retriever-sized dinos walked around on two legs, had beak-likes of those of parrots, cheeks that were each adorned with uh, a flared horn, and jutting from the tail a spray of feathery-like bristles. And now we know that their buttholes are like those of crocodiles. Thanks! The dinosaurs are gone. <laughs> I'm sorry, I just had to play that. <laughs> It's rare to get a look at something soft and fleshy on a dinosaur. <laughs> Unless you order from Twin Tails. <laughs> okay, how? I've never seen an alligator's butthole. Yeah, it's, it's, it's not like my search research, you know? Yeah, it, it assumes sort of like we already know what alligator's butthole is supposed to look like. You could search that up. I don't want that in my, that's not going to my search history. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> Alligator buttholes. We know most of what we know about the Pizzacosaurus. The same way that we know about things about most dinosaurs. From their bones. Durable skeleton parts. <laughs> bones. Durable skeleton parts. <laughs> what about angel dragons? Yeah, they don't have buttholes. Yeah. They're actually, that's how, like, most dinosaurs are picked, depicted in, like, all magazines and everything. Yeah. There's just void of buttholes. Yeah. So, like, they just function on, you know, angel dragon technology. <laughs> angel dragon technology. Wow. Including I, copyright. Okay. I search alligator anus and... <laughs> you went a little more scientific there. <laughs> I don't want to search alligator asshole. <laughs> And the third <laughs> picture that I get is technique for collecting of clear urine from Nile alligator. And it's a picture of a scientist shoving like a cotton swab up their cloaca. Thank you, Google. And sometimes you just need to know how to get alligator urine. The easy way. <laughs> you don't want to go out there and do it the hard way and get bit, obviously. <laughs> You need a wikiHow on how to get alligator urine. Oh my god, wikiHow! I mean, you imagine the stupid drawing. drawing. <laughs> and it will, it will have like step by step instructions. First, cure like, an alligator, and don't get bit. And it's like a person like with a pouty face getting bit, and there's like bleeding everywhere, and they just have like a sad face with an X on top of it. Yeah. Yeah, their eyes are X's. <laughs> Fucking wikiHow. I love wikiHow. Durable skeleton parts are much, much more likely to survive than skin and organs uh, through the fossilization process, which involves burial and at least partial replacement of the original tissues. Most of the time after a dinosaur dies, all of the soft, juicy stuff decays. <laughs> Those soft, juicy butts <laughs> don't make it through. <laughs> juicy stuff. <laughs> uh. But every now and then, paleontologists find dinosaur mummies that are preserved remnants of the soft bits, either as impressions... Soft bits. <laughs> See, you're made of two things. Soft bits. Soft bits and, and hard, hard bits. 
<laughs> soft bits and hard skeletal remains. Hard skeletal parts. <laughs> spooky. <laughs> okay, so... What made, you're... made of soft bits and spooky, scary skeletons. That's <laughs> what so we're all made of. <laughs> when you're getting really close with your lizard friend, just say, mm, I really like your soft bit. <laughs> Let me lick your soft bit. Bit, because I only have one. <laughs> one of everything. I just find dinosaur mummies that preserve the remains of the soft bits, either as fresh and genetically modified pieces of the original flesh. There's no way to make an uh, exquisitely preserved dinosaur. Sometimes it happens when a dinosaur is quickly buried in ash, others dry out in the open for a while. For whatever reason, experts have uncovered several pitosaurus, uh with preserved soft tissues. The fossilization in some of these specimens is so refined that we even know what the colors these dinosaurs were. Brown on top and lighter along the belly. Oh, okay. I thought they were describing the color of their cloaca. <laughs> the new fossil is one of the most de uh, detailed ones. It includes like persona of... colors. <laughs> it was true all along. <laughs> it's like six different colors. I'm a green neon dinosaur. <laughs> Includes patches of skin and scales, as well as uh, ornament, uh, ornamental bristles on the tail, most rarely part of the patch of the tissue between the hips and the base of the tail, a.k.a. a butt. <laughs> the patch of tissue between the hips and the base of the tail, a.k.a. a butt. <laughs> a.k.a. also known as... <laughs> The actual description of the butthole, which appears in the paper, has yet to be peer-reviewed. <laughs> How do you peer-review a dinosaur's butt? It's like, figure A. <laughs> Makes me feel like I have a little sympathy for a dinosaur that probably didn't expect to have its posterior formally presented in a technical literature over 100 million years after its death. <laughs> Just think, 100 million years from now. There might be a perfectly preserved human ass somewhere in Antarctica that some researcher of some species ahead of us finally discovers it. And it's like, oh, we finally know what a human butthole looks like after all of these years. Sparkle glowing. <laughs> Sparkle glowing. God damn it, literally. It's like chat. neon knots. Yeah, neon yeah. But in real life. <laughs> yeah. Neon knots. Neon knots. Like um or um bioluminescent. Yeah, bi bioluminescent cloaca. On the fossil, just before the tail. Dino donuts. <laughs> Dino donuts. <laughs> <laughs> That's a show title if I ever. <laughs> I can see like somebody starting a business named Dino Donuts, and it's like a donut shop. Just with but huge then, donuts. Yeah. But then you just learn about paleontology while you're there. And like all of the donuts are named after different. <laughs> and they're color and accurate. Color, yeah, they're like color accurate they're, they're frosting. Like, what was the color again? Like pink? Yeah, <sighs> I don't know. But they're just like you have different like species names for different like frosting flavors and colors. Oh my god. On the fossil, just below the tail, the butthole appears as a blackish molted ovoid area. Yeah, that's, it sounds like a donut flavor right there to me. Sounds more like an ovid. 
It's like a slit more than it is a donut. So you need to, you have to like read any of your main, it's like, I don't know. Slithering slits. Unexpected frosting in baking area. The paleontologist is right. The image is on page four of the PDF found in this link. To the naked eye, the spot looks like a series of dark stacked bands running between the base of the tail and the hip bones, clearly different from the skin around it. What those band media probably uh, the paper tells us is the Pitosaurus had a downstairs setup like similar to a cloaca. This is pretty different from our own mammalian plumbing. While we all know the joke is old joke about a playground next to a sewage system in the reference to the locations of our own sex or organs and waste. <laughs> so there's a uh, an object called ha, so it's a ha 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 <laughs> Oh, yeah, we are being such children. But anyway, uh, this is the uh, image they were referring to. So. Huh. Okay. Hmm. Scroll down a little more. Yeah. Like that? Uh, no, where it says ha ha ha. Oh. Well, there's that image. Vent? What do they mean by vent? And then there's this. I'll leave that up on the screen for a second here. Just love ha ha ha, Loeka. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think there's any other images. Yep, no. Um, but this is the paper. A crocodilian-style Cloaca, a non-avian... Er... Avilian? Avilian. Yeah, I can't. Anyway, and then you scroll down and you get this... Like a bird. Avian. So it's non-bird-like. The orifice is very named, meaning sewer. Cloaca actually means sewer. Because <laughs> it produces everything... <laughs> Clean or dirty. Remus in chat says perfectly preserved posterior. <laughs> the cloaca, the orifice, its name, very name meaning sewer. <laughs> yeah, we talked that fucking we, sewer between your legs. <laughs> we talked last week about how the, the paleontologists were having their naughty words blocked by that chat service they yeah. were using. Yeah. But they can say cloaca all they want. Is the only opening for the reproductive urinary or next story systems. Something to keep in mind if books like Taken by the T-Rex are your jam. <laughs> you want to search that book up for a second? Yeah, I'll work on it. I think we talked about that. Dinosaur erotica. <laughs> yeah, look at that. <laughs> the image. I love it. I love it. Okay, I think that woman should have worn like only two ninety nine, and you can get taken by the TX. ratings. Wait, it's free. Obviously, the best book ever written at SFW. One star. This book was a goodbye. Unfortunately, barely <laughs> written, but I guess sex scenes should have come sooner. It took way long to get to the sex. 
Okay. We could read the first pre the first bit of it. I don't want to read any of this right now. Can you search like what's in the uh, you know people who have bought this also buy? <laughs> oh. Uh, what other items did customers buy? <laughs> Ravaged by, by the, the Triceratops. <laughs> <laughs> Kissing the coronavirus? Okay, oh, cl- you know. click. Oh my fucking god, it's a ro- What? Is it a romanticism about... Hulk? What? Is she she's supposed to cure the coronavirus. Instead she, she fell in love with it. it. <laughs> <laughs> Erotica. Dr. Alexa Ashton Forge stared at the test tube between her fingers. Her perfectly pink manicured nails... Clashing with the pale, bubbling liquid inside. Okay, we're gonna. I'm not gonna read that. I don't want to lose any. If people bought these books, I would just read them and make audio completely serious. Just <laughs> one star. Well, I read it. <laughs> Best 99 cents ever spent. Not meant to be taken seriously. It's parody and a well done one. Could not stop laughing telling my friends about it. It's a laugh. Yeah, it seems like it's. Uh, Kind of a, a comedy thing. I would gladly narrate these without laughing. <laughs> I'm sure you can. Space Raptor Butt Invasion. Oh, Is wow. Yeah. Space I, I want to see Ravished by Triceratops, though. I like Space Raptor Butt Invasion. Oh, this, uh, I'm, liking, I'm liking this cover photo. <laughs> it's really small, though. Yeah. But it seems like there's an origin because it says Triceratops. See, this is the thing. Like, furries are worried about uh, about about like you know zoo imagery uh, getting into our community, and then there's just shit like this on Amazon. <laughs> Telling you guys, it's, I stood in the middle of his the cock thick run rock hard when slamming my pussy again and again until I exploded on his thick <laughs> shaft. I just saw that right there. Uh, third paragraph. Oh, his cock thick and rock hard. Where is it? Third paragraph, right there. Yeah, oh. you you I just floated around with a thick it. shaft, milking his dick with my orgasm. Oh. Yeah, right there. Oh, okay. Oh, thanks. She was becoming a woman. Yeah. With Triceratops cock. Oh, right in the beginning, too. I just noticed. This is actually like the beginning of the book, so. Is it? I think. Yeah, that's. I don't yeah. know. I think that might be the end. Beginning. No, yeah, that's right in the beginning. Yeah, that's. Uh... Can you go with the butt rated by Space Velociraptors? Where is this? Uh, that was the other one. Uh, I think you go back one. Oh, there's more. Taken by the dinosaur at the, at the dinosaur in the Velociraptor's nest. Wait, no, you gotta go back one. Okay. And then what was the uh, the space raptor butt invasion? Yeah, let's read this one. Okay, so this one's oh, got... this is a gay novel. There you go. Oh, this is gay though. Space can be a lonely place, especially when you're stationed by yourself in the distant planet Zorbitus. Lance, of course it would be Lance. Fucking Lance. Okay, um. So this is the wow. That is. That is that is some Photoshop. Okay, wow. why is the dinosaur on a Segway? That's that's the part I'm trying to figure out. In a like uh, human style spacesuit, like yeah. why didn't it be like? I I don't I don't know. It's going to be a long year up here. Okay, let's see. Hmm. Okay, that doesn't actually have any. Let's read the reviews for this one. When man and raptor learn to love, five stars. Best way to spend an evening. Five stars. Why are there so many five-star reviews here? Maybe there's just not enough homoerotic sci-fi? The best butt invasion there is. Five stars. A lot of five-star reviews. 
Yeah. 74%. 74%. Let's read the three-star reviews. Those were always the best. Shortest novel to be nominated for Hugo Award. So they're just upset that it's short. Dry and forced. <laughs> okay. Hey, go back a couple pages. Okay. Uh, one more. Well, hold on. There's Gay T-Rex Law Firm. Are... Wait, wait, wait. That's the, with the, wait, no, the other one. To your right? To your right? Because there's a title is like six things long. Nice guy Don, dinosaur doesn't pound me in the butt because I'm not interested and he's actually... He's not actually nice. He's just annoying and creepy and doesn't respect dot 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 when I tell him we're not on a date. That is the name of the book. Nice oh. guy. Yeah, that's the, that's the name of the book. Nice guy dinosaur doesn't pound me in the butt because... Wait, I want to read it on the, on the front page though. On the picture page. There we go. Nice guy dinosaur doesn't pound me in the butt because I'm not interested and he's not actually nice. He's just annoying and creepy and doesn't respect my boundaries when I tell him we're not on a date. By Who is this by? Chuck Tingle. Chuck Tingle. All the previous books were written by Chuck Tingles. Mm. So he's making banks out of these books. <laughs> not not pounded by anything. Thing. Six platonic tales of non-sexual encounters. <laughs> what? What? What is happening? I... Okay. I think we found the dark side of Yemzon. <laughs> yeah, we're gonna... We're gonna go can all... You, can, we, can you click in on that author? Just I want to know his, like... His generic like roundabout. Oh, this not is... no. This is Krista Sims. You gotta go forward. You gotta have the butt, the butt doctor. Yeah, can you uh, Chuck, Chuck Tingle? Tingle. Just, I just want to know what his like full scope is. Uh, butt Trek instead of Star Trek. Mike Benz and the Werefly. <laughs> <laughs> Mike. <laughs> what? <laughs> Mike Benz <laughs> in the butt. <laughs> That only happened like three weeks ago. <laughs> he pulled that out in three weeks. It's time for the vice presidential debate, and Mike Pence isn't even looking forward to the experience. No, when was it that? When was that debate? Like two weeks ago. Like oh, a couple yeah. weeks ago. Yeah, publication October seventh. Wow, impressive. Look, look at his icon. Can you can you search him on Google? Wait, there's another one right there that has a huge long title. Not is like another not pounded. All right. Not pounded by the physical manifestation of someone else's doubt in the place of autism spectrum because denying someone uh, someone's personal journey and identity like that is incredibly rude, so no thanks. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> Not pounded by the physical manifestation of someone else's doubt in my place on the autism spectrum because denying someone's personal journey and identity like that is incredibly rude, so, so no, no thanks. thanks. I awaken with a strange feeling in my stomach, a bubbling tornado that swirls around with me and threatens to climb its way up out of my body, exploding in my throat in some strange oh metaphysical eruption. What is happening? Please search him on Google. I just want to, like, let's see what's more titles. What other, I just want to, like, just, we'll just do a skim. I just want to see, like... Well, there's a lot. Scary oh, stories to one. tingle your butt. Here's another one. Chuck Tingle, pounded in the butt by a knockoff book that glorifies de- deadly tragedy and um, doesn't prove I, love is real. <clears throat> except in the what about pounded in the butt by my own butt? <laughs> Where? At the very All end. All right. <laughs> oh. 
Hey, someone already made an audiobook for it. Oh, hey, you're audiobook. behind the game. Oh, it's zero dollars. Audible sample. Where does the miracle of science end and oh, that's magic so begin? bad. Some people would say never, that magic is nothing more than something we can't quite understand yet, but eventually will. Just because a force seems mysterious and exotic doesn't mean it can't be quantified. It actually later hurts on. my ears. I don't I don't like it. Can I just like reach out to this person? I will gladly re-audiobook his books for him. <clears throat> a highway to heck. That's a good that's in a good, higher quality. That's a good book name. If anyone wants to reach out to this author for me, you know, and I will honestly, I will. My like, macaroni and cheese is a lesbian, and also she's my lawyer. <laughs> what if this guy is like a brilliant writer? That's why I'm asking you like, to search it on Google. Hugo Award nominee, Taekwondo, <laughs> erotic <laughs> author, and Taekwondo grandmaster. Almost black belt. <laughs> After receiving his PhD at DeVry University in holistic massage. Okay, this guy, come on, come on. This guy's got to be just a complete parody. Is the pseudonym's author of a primarily gay niche erotica. He self-publicizes work through Amazon.com, primarily through eBooks. There's a whole Wikipedia article on him. Huh. PhD in holistic massage at Ryan University, which does not offer such a degree. Yeah, so he's just a he's a comedian, basically. He makes his own Photoshop yeah. covers. He's a, he's a comedian. That's what I would say. No, it's like. erotica sa uh, satire. He's got a website, chucktingle.com. <clears throat> Greatest author of, of our generation. generation. <laughs> oh my goodness. Anyway, back to dinosaur butts. <clears throat> Because, yes, that's where we were. I think, I think I'm done. We ended up with uh, T-Rex erotica. And then, uh, yeah, dinosaurs have cloricas. Oh, all right. All right, next. <clears throat> uh, there's, a, well, there's one in there about otters for you if you want to read that one. Otters? Okay. Um, where is it? Raccoon, fungus. It's under biology and health. Oh, otters. <gasps> this has got to be a joke. <laughs> All right. Okay, really quick. Um, Sylvan Scott just tweeted at me and said, oh, wow, at CTS, why you never heard of Chuck Tingle before? This guy's the best. Here's a photo of me with him when he was a guest of honor at Convergence. And that's the photo. Here, I sh let, me, let me just pull this up on the on the studio computer here. I think I'm logged into my Twitter on the studio computer, so I should be able to just pull it up. Yeah, here it is. Huh. Love is real. Okay. Brilliant. Wow. Shout out to Sylvan Scott, by the way, one of our patrons. I've never heard of Chuck Tingle before, but, um, Seems really kind of famous, but his uh, audio quality for his uh, reading, I think, needs to work. Well, yeah. so, somebody else, th somebody else submitted <clears throat> that. That was like a user submitted thing on Amazon, because uh. you can just randomly submit audiobooks. Well, you should really to it. Yeah, I didn't know that was a thing. Well, I would assume maybe the author has to approve it, but he probably just approved. I'm it sure he'll approve you. <laughs> I will 
So then I have to buy the book. I don't have money to buy the book. So. Take your time. Okay. I appreciate the work. I would add to it with my voice, but I'm not willing to purchase. You really do have to embrace the wild rudeness of Chuck Chuck Tingle. He's a total sweetie and a hilarious author. I met him last year in July. Awesome fellow. Sylvan Scott's in chat right now. Yeah, he seems just like a good comedian. I think that's... Well, yeah. uh, maybe our fans need to reach out to him and we'll have him on the show. Yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> I can jump into it. Right. How about otters? Yeah, go ahead. Make sure the mic is aimed at you. It's okay. not aimed at you. There. Nope. Uh, we went more, from butts, more, so this was obviously... More, no, turn the, uh, there you go. We went from butts, so I figured this was the obviously the next best choice, so... Mm-hmm. <laughs> Otters are eating the hearts, livers, and productive organs of sharks. Otters are eating shark dicks. Uh, wow. <clears throat> what a surprise. Is, is this like that fetish hyper art where like the dick goes all the way through the other character? Well, if an otter swallows a shark dick, I'm sure it will come up the other end. <laughs> it's Imagine very an because... otter swimming around with the entire mass of <laughs> shark dog up yeah. through his body. Otters are masters of misdirections, having cleverly contributed to countless hours of footages uh, showing them as fluffy floaters holding hands and juggling. They've carried out the PR spins of a lifetime, with many being unaware of their dark side. The dark side of the otters. The otter side. (laughs) What's that? I hear you cry. Why, yes, I'm an anthropomorphizing and unfairly passing judgments based on human moral codes onto wild animals carrying out their natural behaviors. However, this story might give you pause for thought the next time you stare into the eyes of these calculated killers. A coastal town between South Africa has discovered their resident otters are practicing an unusual and highly skilled um, predatory technique killing sharks to eat their livers, hearts, and male reproductive organs before discarding the rest of the carcasses. Wow, they don't eat the rest of the body. That's a whole new meaning of hungry for dick. Yep. They're going out for that sweet shark dick. (laughs) And nothing else. Uh, Rangers were puzzled as over the last few months, they were finding more and more shark carcasses that appear to have been operated on as they were missing vital organs. They were storing... Um, All were- these sharks keep holding up at the beach and they're missing their dicks! What is going on? Where are the dicks going? <laughs> is there a criminal gang that only collects shark dicks out like, there? Instead of shark fin soup, it's shark dick soup. <laughs> <laughs> And they start questioning like local <laughs> restaurants. It's like, are you guys selling shark dick soup? It's a high aphrodisiac. <laughs> the Futurama. <laughs> they were drawn across the shores of Simon's Town, False Bay, which ha- which is famous for its population of great white sharks, which can sometimes be seen breaching the ocean surface while hunting. It seemed. Oh my God! There's a video of it. It seemed, however, the hunters has become, had become hunted. As the par- hunted. <laughs> the hunters have become the hunted. As the partially gutted remains of shark, uh, shy sharks continue to rack up on the beaches. As soon as, the, uh, as soon as otters were discovered to be the culprit as they were seen tucking into sh- shy shark on shore, 
While the heart, liver, and male reproductive organs might, might sound like especially savage focus points, these areas are the parts of the shark that are most nutritious and hence explains why the otters have such uh, penchment for this peculiar, awful trio. There's a video. Yeah, I played it. Oh, you played it? <laughs> it's not much to see. It's pretty blurry, but it's an otter eating a baby shark. <laughs> baby shark. Edited over with like otters eating <laughs> the little baby shark's penis. <laughs> that song, like, it just loops baby shark, but it just gets more and more muffled what? as it goes on. <laughs> Violent. Fortunately, the predator. Um, Predated shy sharks aren't in short supply, and their abundance might actually explain why the otters have become such choosy feeders. When spoiled uh, for choice, carnivores can become selective in their meat they choose to consume. So with the veritable uh, feast of shy sharks, uh, these otters wouldn't waste a good appetite on some nutrient-deficient cheap cuts. That's why. The selective feeding approach has also been observed in killer whales who are able to take on great whites in such, uh, such as false bay. And they have been also uh, been several carcasses of these apex predators found sand lipid dense liver on shore. The unfortunate fate of these two shark species at, at the hands or fins of mammals with a far friendlier reputation demonstrate that Sharks aren't all that deserving of their title as lean, mean, killing machines. If the if this woman who was taken to hospital with suspected shark bite while shouting, I still love sharks, can see past the teeth, maybe it's time for a rebrand. Hmm. So, are they being hunted by otters? Like, are they a swarm of otters? <laughs> Otter swarm? <laughs> Otter, a swarm of otters chasing after sharks, <laughs> and that little lone shark is just running away or not running away, swimming away. Yeah, otters have baby gone shark savage. munch, 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 munch. <laughs> wow, <clears throat> Mr. Otterton have gone so to add to um, 2020, all right. Another breaking news. Oh no. Uh, kind of destroys another, you know, something like we've never seen before case that 2020 is. Oh, of course, yeah. Strange new unknown fungus being found on old Twinkies after man finds them in the basement and takes a bite. <laughs> Patient zero. <laughs> Created by Twinkies, TM. I feel like, you know, you just get to a point where... Like... <laughs> Just get to a point where just sigh. <laughs> you don't even need any other words. <sighs> you know how fungus can eat or make turn ants into zombies, right? I feel like we're going to destroy the rainforest with the amount of paper we need to use to print bingo cards for 2020. Back in the year 2012, <laughs> like 20 years ago, an amateur wildlife photographer and science fan, Colin Purrington, worried that Twinkies might disappear forever after the producer, Hostess, filed for bankruptcy. Naturally, he decided to stock up on the cakes while he still had the chance. 
he had heard that the popular urban legend that Twinkies can survive forever. And according to legend, Twinkies also remain elig- uh, edible for anywhere between 50 years and the end of time. <clears throat> Rumors they're so disgusting, nothing would grow on them. <laughs> Rumors include that the snack isn't actually a cake at all, but instead a chemical reaction. Yes, bread, the chemical reaction. Isn't all food... <laughs> Life itself is a chemical reaction. The fuck does that mean? But this isn't cake, it's a chemical reaction. It's not cake. <laughs> baking is the chemical... That's yes, like, it is, actually. That's baking. <clears throat> but this isn't cake. <laughs> cake is chemical reaction. Yeah. <laughs> Well, the final, you make cake with a chemical reaction, but the Twinkie itself is just a chemical reaction, never ceasing. Okay. <laughs> Which technically cake would be too, because eventually mold break down and then you actually, I don't know. It's organic chemistry, I guess. Hmm. Not molecular chemistry, because you're breaking down the processes of everything. Living things are chemical reactions. Yes. Everything is a chemical reaction. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> instead of the rumors include that the snack cake isn't actually cake at all but instead a chemical reaction or that they last so long because they actually contain a chemical used in embalming fluids mmm <laughs> appetizing for some reason people believe that when the reign of humans is over and most of the earth and animals are gone there'll be nothing left but twinkies and cockroaches and of course tardigrades the idea even features in films like Zombieland where after the apocalypse they are one of the only snack foods available. But because 2020... <laughs> but because 2020... <laughs> Written in the article. <laughs> just, that slogan is this year. Just, yeah. But because 2020... I that's just an acceptable thing to write. <laughs> During the pandemic, Proington became bored and decided to crack out the Twinkies and take a bite. If you want to pull this up, there's actually, he documented it step by step. All right. Is it in the thing? Yes. Where is it? Scroll down. All right. Oh, maybe I didn't. If I didn't. Oh, yeah, no, it is. It's, it is. It's right above oh. the otters. There it is, yeah. I was like, I swear I put that it's in there. All right. Um, oh, there we go. They have, okay. Oh, God. So it starts with, I found a box of Hostess snacks, Twinkies from 2012 in my basement, and I thought I'd make a short thread. There were some surprises. It was not good. When he bit into it, immediately he made him gag. Perlington wrote on a Twitter thread, this may be something to do with the cake having actual self-life of only 45 days. I've done the math, and that's way shorter than eight years. <laughs> <laughs> I've done the math. <laughs> he did the math, guys. <laughs> if my calculations are correct, 
45 days is a lot less than eight years. <laughs> the turkey is from 2012 on the left. It seems to have settled a bit over the years. Settled a bit. And oh, looked. It's on iNaturalist. It's the, it's the app that I use. Holy shit. Needs ID. Hostess turkey from 2012. <laughs> is a must. Yeah, it's a newfound mole. One would need to look at the spores under a microscope to the lower level ID, but most likely it's a. It's this is a phylum. Uh, look at the second photo, or yeah, scroll to the next. Oh god, that's disgusting. Oh, even closer. Okay, well, I'll keep reading. Twinkie from 2012 on the left. It seems to have settled a bit over the years and looks a little dry. The biggest difference is that <laughs> the cream filling has browned and restricted a bit, leaving air gaps. Pharaoh, look at the TV. Oh my god. <laughs> we'll get there. Although I grew up thinking Twinkies would last for years, if not forever, I was very wrong. <laughs> The one I bit into was chewy, unsweet, and smelled like rotting ginkgo fruit. I gagged. I have no one to blame but myself. The box clearly warned. Oh. That's used by November 26, 2012. That was actually the least gross part of the story. Pullington took a closer look at the other Twinkies and found one hosting an organism of some sort that he refused to taste on grounds that he'd seen the movie before. <laughs> Which movie? <laughs> it's just, and I quote, I've seen a movie before. <laughs> oh my fucking god. <laughs> it was like an organism of some sort, and that he refused to taste on the ground that he'd seen that, um, seen that movie before. The worst Twinkie looked like it had evolved into its final form. <laughs> Oh, look at how solid it is. Yeah. Like. <clears throat> oh, God. Oh, God. It just gets worse. I'm going to stop scroll. I can't. Oh, God. <laughs> it could be dead, but that's not something I'm going to risk. <laughs> I've seen that movie before. Maybe someone on iNaturalist will recognize it. Here's a link in case for that for you. I promised there was a surprise, and this is it. One of the Twinkies had shriveled into a small log, sucking the plastic into it like it was vacuum-packed. <laughs> is that something a fungus or a bacteria does? Or is there some antibiotic chain reaction taking place? Abiotic. That's, like... Like, um, botulism and stuff, like, it expands. This literally sucked in the Twinkie, which I don't... No, <laughs> like usually there's like a, a like gases are usually formed when something digests something. Yeah. So the like, fact that it, I don't know how did it suck in, <laughs> how did it vacuum seal itself? Unless there were then, just was there that much of a pressure change? 
in between when it was sealed and now. But I, I thought, like, that plastic was semi-wet, permeable. It just seems... No, it's sucked in. <laughs> yeah, it's really sucked in. And it's... It, 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 I guess consumed more gas than it and emitted. It, and it even says... It could have converted a gas into... Like a solid, solid material? A solid, yeah. But it says it approximately is one ounce lighter than a fresh one. It lost weight. Okay. It's a number seven. Yeah, I know. It's really one ounce lighter than the fresh one. More views of the eight-year-old Twinkie, some of which seem to show fungal hypothy. Also known as several globs of yellow on the exterior of the wrapper, bottom right of the pick. <clears throat> they assume are from holes, maybe one of the fungi that can eat plastic. Oh, what? <clears throat> oh, no. This guy shipped it to some lab yeah, using USPS. Oh, somebody's saying evaporation through the packing material. Mm. The plastic might be permeable to certain... Well, right. All plastic is kind of permeable at some point to, like... To certain things, yeah. Like, if you take it with, like, an egg or something like that, like, and even the Ziploc bags, yeah. water will still permeate through eventually. Yeah. But it just seems weird to see it vacuum-packed. <laughs> yeah. I, f I feel like this is not something that you should transport through USPS. <laughs> It's like, you don't even know what species it is. I think it's actually a new species of fungus. Yeah. I, I don't know about that, but... I mean, it got there somehow. Things evolve. <laughs> it's evolved in a Twinkie, so... Blaine decided that it may be disgusting as a snack, but it was at least scientific interest, fortunately. So scientists, after he put out an appeal, helped identify whatever fungus was growing on the Forbidden Twinkie. We have a terrifying the microbiology called Operation Moldy Twinkie. I and I will ID an unknown fungus of fungi growing inside an individually wrapped eight-year-old expired hostess snack Twinkie. This moldy cakes were discovered in Colonel's basement. MSA fungi. <laughs> Matt Cass, an associate professor of forest pathology and mycology at West Virginia University, offered to investigate, and Collins sent him the Twinkies, <laughs> leading to the biopsy that looked about as grim as an autopsy. They even used a tool for extracting the bone marrow from the Twinkie. We have a new terrifying microbiome. <clears throat> the other fungus-infected cake still had typical cream-filled center. The team believed that the fungus was in the packing before the Twinkie was sealed up for the 12 years of solitude, as the plastic wrapper appears to have been sucked inward, suggesting that it may have been used may have used up more oxygen consuming the forbidden Twinkie than it released. Hmm. You will end up with a vacuum. There we go. That answers that one forbidden question that I wanted to know. Cassie's colleague, Bryant Lovett, told NPR that the vacuum may have halted the fungus' ability to continue to grow further. We just have the snapshot of what we were sent, but who knows if this process occurred five years ago or he just noticed it now. Examining the sample Twinkies under the microscope found fungal spores as they'd expect. So it could still spread as they still have spores. of the dead Twinkie. From Litley Spotted Twinkie, the team was able to grow the fungus in the lab and identify it. And you know the photo, he'll clue you in. Oh, it was, it was a common airborne species, Cladosporium, on the horrific Twinkie. However, they were unable to actually identify the mysterious fungus, as nothing has grown from its sample. They speculate that the fungus could have died years ago, given that the Twinkies are eight years old, so it remains unidentified. So there is an unidentified fungus. Well, it, it's also just because it's so old that it might have just 
it didn't survive. So it could just be two two common species of, you know, same thing that grows on moldy bread so or whatever. If if it's commonly known species, uh, they should be able to identify uh, what it is by their remaining spores. Maybe and not if it because the other thing is structures. there's probably other materials in there that probably just eventually. Um, disintegrates whatever's there to the point where it's unidentifiable. Mm. You know, it's, if it's, it's going to erode, right? It says, given the Twinkies are useless and this remains on a, one example makes remains identified as an unknown substance. However, they are determined to keep trying to rejuvenate in a lab using the mixtures that they are mixtures and are trying to coax it back to life with different methods. We've seen this movie too. <laughs> <laughs> This story is not over yet, of course. Pillington <laughs> writes on his website, the fungus growing on the center Twinkie is apparently the genus Cladosporium, and, but hopefully they will be able to determine the exact species. And I'm hoping that they can, if they can't culture the fungus that is mummified, that's in the mummified Twinkie, <laughs> that they'll be able to sequence it and get an actual ID. I cannot wait. And they're also working on the moldy ho-hos I sent them. All right. Update, the suspicious ho-hos have arrived. <laughs> Clear out your cupboards, man. <laughs> so this is how the zombie virus is going to start in West Virginia. Yeah. In 2021. <clears throat> Some dude's Twinkies in his basement. All right. Before we go on a quick music break, we should mention that this episode of FurCast is sponsored by TwinTailCreations.com. Uh, you can check out their website where they sell high-quality, durable and carefully made adult toys for reasonable prices. They come in all kinds of pretty but colors. But are they, you know, actual realistic, like actual dinosaur buttholes? Uh, we'll, we'll have them get back to us on that. <laughs> uh, but you can see samples of the toys on like, the screen. Like a, like a scientist verified? <laughs> scientist verified, like for accuracy. <laughs> Twin tails accuracy. Um, but no, they, uh, they sell all kinds of cool, fun adult products. They also sell cool other little trinkets, like the little squishy dinosaur things. Um, and, uh, we, we have a bunch of them on our little tables. They have a bunch of Halloween themed stuff, like little squishy pumpkins and stuff that you can put on your side table or whatever and make people who are degenerates just like you know where you got them from, but people who aren't degenerates won't know where you got them. Um, but... On that note, they do ship discreetly. Uh, the return label just says TTC LLC. Same thing with the credit card transaction. Uh, they also ship internationally. Um, and they're in our chat room because they're degenerates just like you and I. So they're uh, they're always in there answering questions for people. They also have their own Telegram chat that you can join if you're interested. <clears throat> where people are always asking interesting questions and suggesting hilarious ideas for new products. Um, and, uh, of course, if you own any Twin Tails Project products, you are encouraged to reach out and uh, share your experiences. Who and won their contest? I don't know. I didn't check to see. I know they were going to announce it. I don't know. Um, we have coupon codes uh, that can save you up to 20% off on their silicone products in particular. Um, and uh, the coupon code is RedWolf. Or Blue Fox if you're kinkier. Yeah, but you should use Red Wolf. And nah, not, and Blue Fox is still winning. I think you should. Uh, yeah. You don't even use toys. Because <laughs> he's a top. Because I'm a top. I'm a wolf. Come on. There's fuckables there, on. too. That's true. You got to experience their products. 
I mean, we do as, have their, as their professional. I mean, I have experienced them. They're all over our house. <laughs> On that regard, I mean, they are used for like everything: <laughs> book stops, book stops, <laughs> stirring food, doorstop. Yeah, doorstop. We just have dildo. Oh my god! Why haven't we done that? Instead of those springy doorstops that goes ding, yeah. you just put a dildo on it. Yeah. <laughs> the suction cup. I mean, there's one still suction cup to the ceiling of the kitchen. So, I mean, obviously, we don't have any of the springy door little ding things because none of the doors open up all the way to slam into something. Mm, that's true. Yeah. But I feel, well, to hold the door open, though. I mean, you probably could put one on the ceiling there because when that door swings open, but like, it'd be hard. You would need like a cocked angle dick. Yeah. Like a right angle dick. <laughs> I'm sure that's somebody's kink. <laughs> Just a straight right angle dick. Is that the only one? Because like the ceiling's slanted. It's probably like a forty-five degree angle dick. Maybe I don't know. I don't know what the slope of that wall is, but you need it to like come down, and then go sideways, so that like the door would hit it. Yeah. Instead of hitting the wall. You guys are listening to Forecast live on XBN, or maybe you're listening to a recording on a podcast or YouTube later. But we're gonna be back after a quick music break. You're listening to Furcast. Support for Furcast comes from Patreon users, including Shaman the Photon Wizard, Dexy Wexy, Feon, Energize the Wolf, Sweetie Darling, Barnaby Fox, Strike the Circle, Frost Blaze, A New Fox, Omega Zai, Mullock the Generic Brown Wolf, Cypher the Heckmutt, X the Fox, Binary Paws, Zavarkin, Fireline Coyote, Trinity Ware Fox, Lord Head Cheese, Biohazard, Code Yaks, Fox Triple Seven, Fiasco, Red Eye the Roady Red Lion, Tukiri, Lieutenant Fox, Calypso Collie the Fluffy Trucker, Mellow Wolf, Rit the Otter, Doxy, Zoopy the Barcode Kitty, Arceus the Tiny Tiger, Horse Code Hooves Up, Donut, Alta Shep, Meru Snowmew, D Otter, Ski Sharp, Nick Liz, Nerd Hoof, Zenair the Mutt, Frost Wogon, Jeb M16, Static the Scrap Goat, Taru the Yellow Nosed Doggo, Cronass, Jax the Husky, Fuzzy the Fox, No Name Horse, and Gaia Wellen. Additional support comes from social media. Twitter users, Commander Wolf 3, Kazro Fox, Drop Table Foxes, Perp, House Tier, Anti Blue Fox, Onyx Fox 23, BBQ Skunk, Rivik Wolf, John Crescent, Kaz the Dreg, Wolvern 4, Nate Blueberry 13, Bell Platagon, Jared Tamana, Cyrus SL, Crossy on Twitter at XSSFox, The Other Commander Wolf on Twitter at Forwolf99, Reiner on Twitter at What's the Fuzz, Zelig on Twitter at Stealthy Dragon, Trashcat Danny on Twitter at Trash Danny, 12 on Twitter at The Lion Thing, Shua on Twitter at Pulsing Panther, Dakota Winter on Twitter at Dakota Wolf 12. Telegram user Sorcerer Dale. YouTube channel Joe G Bear. And the following websites MacroWolf.com, Arihu.com, Hack13.me, Superdwarf with Anthrolinks.net, and Devin D. Partlet with FurryHockeyLeague.com. Additional support for Furcast comes from Shisha Sheppy, who's a good boy. For head bases and 3D printed goods, commission Tar Paw Studios at Alice Tar on Telegram. Silver Moonshine, maker of fluffy tails. Fisk Games, the new furry YouTuber on the block. At Alec Gator 300 on Twitter, creating pixel arts and being a filthy hybrid since 2012. 
Tantru with World in Rue View, providing fandom news since 2015. Honorius, who says, One more cheese joke and someone's getting bored. Spurigs, one of the only Ethiopian wolf degenerates in all of furry land. Scar the Fur on YouTube, giving you bite-sized, detailed furry history. Kilo the Proto-Yote, who says, Jesse is the best kitty. Cody Big Cat, with Cody's custom auto and truck accessories. Come see us today at 625 East 1st Street in Vidalia, Georgia, for all your auto accessory needs. Light and Shadow, the wolves keep furry possum. Patty, who says, what Socks says is true. Socks, who says, what Patty says is not true. A message from at Grundy the Goat. <clears throat> but I shot a man in Reno just to watch him die. When I hear that whistle blowing, I hang my head and cry. Vodka Taylor, who says, get your shit together, Taylor. Clean your room. Donran, munching those pizzas and writing those tunes. For an invite to the unofficial Furcast Minecraft server, message at Sashahina on Telegram. KobeCats.com. Take a bite out of art. We know you're hungry, so come get your paws and maws on a delicious piece of burger-priced art. Ryko's Furry Fortune Telling on Telegram at Obsidian Fox. Saucy Fox, who says, I'm trash. Raccoons, HMU. Checkers the Dragon. Chess is my safe word. Fishmeister Cod, still not a furry since February 2011. Nightly at snouts.online, who says, I want to see this community grow beyond meets and conventions. Permanent furry commune, when? Max Shepard, who has been watching since the bacon felony. Neonwuff, who says, Oreo is a very good boy. Little underscore sunshine and Scootaloo with the unofficial XBN Xbox app at patreon.com slash horse apps. Furcast's number one wimpy fan, Tyler the Wesky. Shaki, the maid lord of Nordic Fuzzcon. Visit the Maid Cafe at Nordic Fuzzcon in Sweden. Chris Tail on FA, specializing in Tuni art. The Church of Iswar, worshipping Lynx since the year Tuft. Rose Iron Husky, smell those sweet, sweet welds. Skycorp, creating transformative technologies for mature audiences at skycorp.global. Check out the SoCal Shepherd Show wherever you get your podcasts. Disc Cookie, creating procedural beatmaps for VR rhythm games. Karenos, who says, Circles are quite friendly and nice, actually. Tequin, TC Fox, and Kaiwana of the Infrasec Den in Wellington, New Zealand. At Equinox on Twitter, who says, Remember kids, neigh loudly, squeak often. Sylvan Scott, Grey Muzzle, Sorta Rider, and Tabletop Gamer. On Fur Affinity as Sylvan, with size-related stories and other speculative fiction. Shadowclaw Studios. Check out our Facebook page for links to our gaming streams. The Feline Support Alliance. A good kitty is a bitey kitty. Check it Airlines. We always land on our feet. Silver Gatoman at patreon.com slash silvergatoman. Cheetah Paws for a daily dose of bulgy arts. Support him at patreon.com slash cheetah paws. And a very special, special thanks, thanks to Blaze Fusky and Decibel Fox. Support for Furcast comes through Patreon, PayPal, cash donations, and from listeners like you. 
To become a patron and learn more about supporting Furcast, visit furcast.fm slash support. This is XBN.
This is Forecast on XBN. That was Steel Valley. Uh, well, I should say Steel Valley or the Four Dot WebM is the name of the track uh, from the Mr. Robot Volume Three soundtrack by Matt Coyle. Uh, <clears throat> Mr. Robot has a fantastic soundtrack. Um, before that was Let It Lift by Boom Boom Satellites. And now we're back. Um, and hopefully, I don't have any issues because of that Boom Boom Satellites track because YouTube usually doesn't like that. Um. Anyway. Um, and, oh, wait, no, that mic's supposed to be on, and then that mic's supposed to be off. There we go. Um, do you have more news to jump into? We do have one email, so we can do that at some point. Do you have news? All right, I'll let you do more news then. Scientist creates ultra-white. That's called HDR. <laughs> Paint. So so reflective that it reflects everything. So practically the a opposite of Vanta Black. We have so ultra wouldn't white. it be just mirror? You know, ultra white. It, yeah, but 
That sounds like it should be a mirror. Isn't mirror like the perfect? I think a mirror still absorbs light. Oh, yeah. Nothing's 100% efficient. Yeah. So I guess even the perfect white wouldn't be as reflective as a mirror would be. Well, Vanta Black only thing absorbs, what, 99% of light? You're never going to get 100% of anything. Yeah. I'm curious. So I just create ultra white. So reflective, it can actually cool buildings even in bright sunlight. A Karen so white that even she's the manager. <laughs> Ultra White, the Secret Service codename for Vice President Pence. Ultra White. <laughs> oh, God. Mike Pence's porn alias. Yeah, Ultra White. Ultra White. <laughs> Scientists have now created a new ultra-white paint that can reflect 95.5% of the sunlight that reaches its surface. It's just a photo of Mike Pence. <laughs> <laughs> this incredible... <laughs> it's just him, but they're talking about it like... It's, it's like zoomed in yeah. on his like, cheek or something. There's hair. Yeah. With a fly on. <laughs> the incredible property allows something coated in this paint, like a building, to cool below the temperature of its surroundings even under direct sunlight, an incredible technical achievement that could go towards com uh, combating global warming. Ah, uh, that's not very Mike Pence-like. <laughs> we know the planet's suffering, so to combat global warming, we're gonna make this paint. Is that the rest of my Pepsi? Yes, you're oh, okay. two-day-old Pepsi. All right, it's fine. I was just curious if that you were... He's my scrap cat, he eats all of my scraps. Because you're never gonna finish it. You I put know. it in the fridge and you forget it. So I, I just eat it for you. Yep. I come home with scraps sometimes for you to eat. You literally gave me <laughs> two crusts. Well, I literally came home and I was like, here, kitty. Here, kitty, kitty. And then you're like, ooh, food. And I was like, yeah. And I opened the box and it was just a bunch pizza of pizza crusts. Pizza crusts. I, I had it. I was happy. You still ate them. Yeah. If they're studying white paint, aren't they pale eontologists? Um, <sighs> you're not getting a bell. It gets a reverse bell. I think there's some far better things we can do to combat global warming Paint. than painting things white. I mean, that's how <laughs> literal whitewashing. But that's how Greek people. Wow, you mean, wow, this is like the perfect thing for Bitcoin users. <laughs> but the, you, you know how Mediterranean buildings are all white? Like, They're marble. <laughs> Yes, but reason why they marble, marble is white. Yes, but they picked, they purposely picked white material because it reflects sun and is you know usually hot and humid around Mediterranean area. So there was. I think they also picked it because it was probably prevalently available too. Yes, so it was the best choice of all. See, you don't need to worry about the climate impacts of Bitcoin. You could just paint your house white, ultra white. Oh, did you? Uh, did we tell? Do you know about it, Faye? How big we, 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 we talked about it, yeah. Oh, okay. He didn't talk about it on the show, though. Yeah, I didn't talk about it on the show. You want to add your little comment? I think you should add. Yeah, you, you should mention it for uh, people who Well, don't it's know. really complicated, but TLDR Bitcoin consumes a lot of electricity. Like, a lot. And you should look it up. I mean, like, it, it's, a, it's a hard argument because it, you know, it depends on the scale of things and the users and also where that energy is being consumed, technically. And it's also kind of hard to calculate because you can't just... 
it's not as simple as like dividing the amount of electricity by consumed by transactions, <laughs> divided by zero. Um, but it's worth looking into. It's yeah. It, well, the, one of the estimates that I read said one Bitcoin transaction uses as much as twenty-two days worth of electricity that is that an average American household uses. What does one credit, what does one credit card transaction use? One. It, it's like it's over like a hundred kilowatt hours that Bitcoin uses. No, credit card transactions use nothing because they're just well, nothing. But again, they still are, have to use something. Argumentative because there are data centers that do credit card processing, but the argument is per transaction. And that's kind of the problem, right? Is like obviously, like there's a Visa data center that probably consumes a fuck ton of electricity, mm-hmm. but per transaction, considering there's millions of transactions happening constantly, there's it's probably not. But again, it, it depends on the scale of the economy just, and also where the Bitcoin uh, calculate. Because, for instance, a lot of Bitcoin miners are uh, in data centers that use um, like renewable energy. Mm. So there's like an argument there. And it's it, it's very it's very complicated. There's no simple answer to it. I'm just saying it's worth looking into. I'm just saying too, like just on the opposing argument side of credit card transaction wise, mm-hmm. you still have the card readers and everything that have to be powered. So you're still using electricity to use a card reader yeah. yep. to do a transaction. So technically, to do a credit card transaction, you're still using power. There. Well, and carbon footprint's also hard to calculate because it's like there there are automakers that have a really technically horrible horrible carbon footprint, even though they're like a less popular automaker. Mm. Um, um, wasn't there a YouTube video about how much of minute of video watching on YouTube consumes? Uh, cons- yeah. yeah, or how much it creates carbon emission because well, of the data yeah. center and the infrastructure that's required to maintain your internet connection. And then, and then the maintenance that goes into like the the underground, um, the ocean surface. Yeah, but again, it's, it's hard. You can't necessarily say that one YouTube video takes this much electricity nah. because there's so uh, much that goes into it. Not to mention that that electricity is also powering other things for other uses. Yeah. And so, but what it's about kinda, our electricity? A lot of it's coming from Niagara Falls, though. It's hydroelectrical. Actually, no. Most of our electricity does not come from Niagara Falls. It's well, uh, most that gets shipped to New York City, but. Regardless, it's complicated. We just ship the boxes of electricity yeah. in New York City but from Niagara Falls. Uh, just package of water. A decent portion of our electricity is uh, is uh, both coal and natural gas, but it depends on the time of year and the time of day because um, there's a peak plant nearby that uses uh, natural gas, um, but we're not always using the peak plant. Most of the time, we're on um, some of the other power plants. There's also a nuclear power plant near um, Ontario. Well, there's one in Ontario, but there's also one in Rochester. What? Um, yeah. Oh, I didn't know there was one in Rochester. Yeah, there's one over in that direction. I bought a new nuclear power plant. There's not one that's built in 2020. Like 2021, when we can build one. Start building. <laughs> 2021, when we can build nuclear. But not That's not the 2020 nuclear power plant. Yeah. Uh, anyway, the point is, uh, long story short, it is a very complicated thing to, to question uh, and, and to answer. Um, and it's, a very, it's very difficult and often misleading to compare to other things. I don't things. think global warming is caused by Bitcoin, though. No, but no. Bitcoin does not have a good track record. But we should, because uh, the concern is that PayPal just accepted Bitcoin as a medium of payment that will increase the usage of Bitcoin. And it's, you don't divide the usage. Every transaction just uses exponentially more energy. Because they because of the proof of work, yeah, which gets more and more complicated. Because, like, you, you know, if, if there's a constant server that's running somewhere in a building and... You know, hundred uh, like a hundred thousand visa transaction goes through it every minute, and let's say next month it, it becomes two hundred thousand. The server will use the same amount of electricity until it reaches its maximum capacity. However, 
the Bitcoin will use just more energy every time you use it. You don't div divide whatever. Well, except the mining, I think, will use less at some point because when we move from subsidized to non-subsidized mode or whatever in mining. Yeah. But I don't, I don't know the details of it. But no. I feel like they're just kind of grouping it together because of all the mining that people are doing for it. Which is, I would say, is no, 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 no. They're actually every transaction does require computational work. It's proof of work. Basically, tons of computers actually have to work to, and in order to to verify the transaction. So let's say I've used Bitcoin, and I that was before I knew about the environmental impact. Uh, so whenever I send a payment to someone, it takes like ten, fifteen, or twenty minutes because I say, hey, I'm sending this amount of Bitcoin to this address from my address. It goes on. But there has to be some other computers that verifies it with the algorithm. So there, it, at least I have to get like five approval from other computers. So not only am I using my device to prove that I sent this payment. Yeah, your device could just be like a phone or something. Yeah, but the but there has to be other devices that this are seems like to be servers more like or theory wise to me that doesn't really seem to kind of like no proof of work is it's well, no proof of work is but like I would say like P two P sharing is causing a terrible global footprint because we're you know offering downloads constantly. I mean, that's the concept I see, like, as to give the opposing argument side of things. Yeah, like how much energy does the server consume per download, kind of thing. Yeah, yeah like it, it just seems. Hmm. It doesn't seem like something that's impacting enough that not having Bitcoin wouldn't change the outcome of our current society. Like, in a global scale of something for the carbon footprint, I feel like... Well, it's also yeah. a hard argument to make, right? Because, you know, for instance, electric cars are better than gasoline cars. But electric cars also contribute to carbon footprint right now because of how much of our electrical grid is carbon. Now, that's not to say that switching to electric cars is a bad thing because A, we have the technology to make it better and B, eventually as time moves on, it will end up reducing our carbon footprint. And, but at uh, the moment, uh, like there is that argument even though it's been debunked and it's kind of a similar thing where it's like, uh, some of our energy consumption is also just the fault of our energy systems as a human species, not necessarily that the use is bad, but um, either way, it is, uh, like I said, worth looking into because um, there's some interesting uh, interesting data on it. I still hate oh, Bitcoin. No. <laughs> you hate crypto. And the blockchain is block, fucking sorry. dumb. Blockchain. <clears throat> Slow database. <clears throat> blockchain. <clears throat> Don't say the C word, hun. <laughs> you'll, you'll, you'll bring like weird techie guys out of the woodwork. <laughs> weird libertarians come out of the woodwork. I mean, it's it's been helpful for like... I don't know. I, Bitcoin can be helpful for any kind of people on any political spectrum. Sure. I feel like there's a better design that we could come up with that's not made by a sketchy guy. Well, he did it first, so he gets the priority. Just like, Yeah, it's most things. It's not which one is better. It's which one is people are used to. I don't know. Someday we'll move on from Bitcoin and we'll have something that serves some of a similar purpose but doesn't have the problems. Dogecoin. <laughs> no. <laughs> I'm pretty sure Dogecoin's based on Ethereum. I don't remember. It's a fork of something. I don't remember. Reporting to the Journal of Self Reports uh, Physical Science, the team tested the paint over the course of two days when the sun was at its highest point in the sky. The surface covered in the paint was tested uh, was at least... 3, uh, 1.7 degrees Celsius or 3.06 degrees Fahrenheit below the surrounding objects. At night, it stayed 10 degrees, 18 degrees uh, Fahrenheit, feridium units, below the ambient temperatures. 
It is a persistent task to develop a below ambient radiation cooling solution that offers a convenient single layer particle matrix paint form in a high reliability, senior author Professor Zulian Rulan from the Purdue University said in a statement. This is critical to a wide application of uh, radiant cooling to alleviate the global warming effect. The ability to cool down objects and buildings is certainly exciting and beneficial to many of the industries in our warming world, not only in residential but in commercial buildings to keep ambient temperature cool, but it also could help warehouses where perishable products are kept or even data centers providing their goods. A building covered in the white paint would have a lower indoor temperature, reducing the amount of air conditioning needed too. The paint is acrylic with a calcium carbonate compound. Lacking a metallic component allows the paint to also be used on telecommunication equipment that is kept outdoors which would help keep it cool while interfe- without interfering with its signals. Our paint is compatible with the manufacturing process of a commercial plant, uh, commercial paint, sorry, and the cost may actually be comparable or even lower, added Ruan. The key is to ensure the reliability of the paint so it is visible in a long-term outdoor application. The team is currently planning an investigation on how reliable the paint is in terms of environmental factors. It will be exposed to ultraviolet light, dust, water, and detergent, as well as being tested on realistic materials to assess how well it sticks to surfaces uh, to gauge if it is of the right properties to replace existing paints. This is not the only ultra-white paint that is in the works. Earlier this summer, another ultra-white paint development team was announced, which is currently being investigated for commercial use. Neat. <sighs> All right. Um, do you want to do one more, or do you want to just jump into email? It's up to you. No, um, just jump into email, unless you have one more. No, I don't not know really. All right. Um, email. I'll just switch the graphic. Question for the show. Hello, Furcast. I am writing you, hoping you could give me some advice. I just... Sometimes when people ask for advice, I'm just like, why would you ask us? As Marisky's thing falls. And it... I'm I'm glad you think we'd be good at advice, but... I have been a furry for a few years now and consider myself active in the fandom. I do art commissions, fursuits, and attend cons when I can. The issue is I have a very hard time being outgoing enough to make a lasting connection with any other furs. A lot of times I hear you talk on the show about how you meet furs by inviting them to do things after talking to them on Howler or in uh, talking to them at cons, meets, parties, etc. I am very socially awkward, IRL, and have never been good at talking to people or being as outgoing as I would like. Well, you don't have to worry, guess what? Because 2020, Online. and possibly 2021. <laughs> Online, I feel very eloquent and am able to befriend people, but I am not able to extend that to meet space, even though I really like to. Whenever someone talks to me IRL, I clam up, and I can't think of what to say, and I kind of panic a little bit. I guess in short, how should I get over my fear of face-to-face social interaction and be more extroverted so I can befriend more furs locally or at cons? Uh, I know this is a weird question to ask during COVID, where I can't really go out and meet people anyways, but it is an issue I faced for a while, and the fact that I have no one to really talk to during COVID has made me think about it more than I usually do. Thank you, guys. Hope to hear from you. Spin the pink mammoth. Exposure. Not COVID exposure, but... <laughs> Basically, you just put yourself in awkward scenarios and you keep doing it. Though, last year MFF, I learned a hard lesson <clears throat> because... Uh, MFF, be- MFF is a crazy place where you gotta be social 
or the environment is very, 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 very social. Like, mm. I, I don't think it's not a con for, like, a very introverted person. You, I feel like every con is kind of centered towards being social, at least in yes, some Yes, but there is a degree of how social it is. I think MFF is a very party extroverted con, whereas AC is in the middle where you can take it easily if you want to. But if you want to party, there are parties there. But if you want to just take it slowly, just go go walk around a convention center and then the dealer's in with your two or three friends well, I'm not... in a small group, I think it's possible. Anyway, the, the lesson is that I force myself to be very extroverted. I'm not that extroverted. I'm just capable of being extroverted for you know a couple hours and then just go back to my room or hang out with my few friends. But I pushed myself to be super extroverted and felt like I was faking it so much that I got pretty depressed for a bit. I think you just got to be comfortable with, you just got to find people you're really comfortable with and you trust a lot. And people you have few friends who have same common interests as you and just share your interests. Yeah, uh, work on things together to make those like bonds and stuff like that you have to be in that awkward scenario of where not i wouldn't say you're faking it because you're still yourself you're just you have to you're probably more introverted in the fact that but you can be an introverted person can be extrovert it just yeah. they get can drained. Be outgoing so, outgoing is yes, what you mean, yeah. yeah because basically someone who's introverted gets drained from a lot of social interactions yes than a servant who's extroverted who actually gains energy from social interactions. But there's still limits to eat that too because even someone who's extroverted we're still going to get tired at one point in time because we're still human. Mm. I should also add that all cons have the capability of being both social and not, right? You could totally walk around MFF by yourself in an art area and just check things out and yeah, there's going to be tons of people around but like you're just kind of by yourself kind of observing or kind of going to events. You don't really have to talk to anybody. Um, I think the difference between a con like MFF and other cons, which you could spend entirely social or entirely not social, is the speed at which they move. And that's the problem with MFF. It's not that it's extremely social. It's just that Stu- there's it's so, so much big going on and there's it? so much going on that in order to maintain the social ability you want with let's say the people you know you're running around everywhere and that's kind of the yeah. problem with the con like mff is that it's just it's so quick Not to i had a, that this year had four different hotels we were yeah. in different hotels across yeah. city I, yeah so i before i forget i had a big fear of missing out because yeah, there were so yeah. many things going on, I thought, oh my god, if I can't make to that thing, I'm going to miss out on being friend with this person or being, you know, maintaining my friendship with that person. So I, because of the fear of missing out, I kept doing, I've kept forcing myself to be everywhere and I burnt myself out. That was a mistake. It happens. That's one of the things like you, I've said to you from the beginning, you're yeah. from doing AC, you can't do everything. And that there's, you just got to basically think about what you can do. Mm. And basically, you're going to miss a lot of things because, again, you have panels. You have like eight different panels. You have friends that are hosting panels. Yeah. Like, there was like 10 different events that were happening at the same hour. I remember even at one time at MFF. It's like, do you stick with the group that you're currently at? Do you jump away from that group so you can go see other people that you haven't oh, seen? Oh, I hate that feeling. So it's, it's like, it, it, uh, you have sorry, to choose. Guys. I, I got to go there, but I don't want to miss you well, guys. What I'll say is what that there's, there's ups and downs of both big and small cons, too, because one thing that's nicer about bigger cons, even though there's more people and you have to run around a little more, 
is that big cons are more focused on like big events. Uh, and so if you just want to be around furries and be entertained or like see a concert or something like that, even if it's just you or even if you're just with like one friend watching a concert, that's something you get more from actually the larger cons. Because the smaller cons, although um, there's less going on and although it's fewer people, that's because those cons are almost entirely social. Like you go to a small con to hang out with people, right? Whereas you go to a big con for events. Um, you know, like when you go to when you go to like an Anthrocon or an MFF, you know, the dance comp is like huge. Whereas when you go to a small con, like it's less about that. It's more about going out to eat. It's more about like chilling yeah. out in a hotel room. It's more about chilling out in the lobby. Um, so there's kind of ups and downs to both of those. As for what you said in the email too about like, well, how do you just talk to these people? You know, you can just say to people, hey, I'm kind of new at being social. I'm a little nervous, but like, you know, here's my interests. Uh, and I feel like most people, especially furries... It kind of comes off awkward, though, too, at times. Mm-hmm. It can. I, I think if you... Honestly, I just feel like just be yourself. If Even if it is awkward, just go out and just... Yes, you're going to be uncomfortable. Like, when you're trying to do something new that you're not really that good at, mm-hmm. guess what? That's in everything. <laughs> if you're going to try something new or something that you're not that good at, what's the best way to get better? Try. You put You just keep going. Like... Know when to pull away, too. Like, that would be the only thing I would say is, like, have bits of time where you go out and converse with people and then jump away. Don't linger. Even if you think it's going well or something like that, like, you could still pull back a little bit. Mm-hmm. So you can constantly just do that to get your own feeling of how to gauge things, how to understand different into people's like, uh, logic, how to interact with different types of people. People watch. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, um, <clears throat> as somebody who was diagnosed as a kid as being on the autistic spectrum, uh, I had a lot of hard time being social in school. I used to I used to say to my parents that the hardest class in school was lunch, just because it, it required the most mental energy to, like, try to fake being normal and having a personality and, like, you know, laughing at jokes and, and everything. It was just difficult. But the way we that I got... fake being normal. <laughs> yeah, the way that I got past that, though, um, and started to really understand... Not not to, not faking it, right? I'm not acting, like, right now. But the way you get past it is by watching people and kind of understanding how social situations work. And all of a sudden, you start to kind of hone you know, in on who you are and what you your personality is. You also learn by is. fucking up a lot. <laughs> basically maybe, maybe other people don't see it as a fuck up but you see it as a fuck up so you go out and you talk with people and you're like oh i shouldn't have said that yeah you know, and they yeah. probably have blown it off and don't even fucking care or didn't even notice what you've said or mistake mm-hmm. mistakenly said but you do so you're your own worst critic at that point too yeah so also there's a lot of other people who are probably just like you and so especially if you go to a con and you got some online friends i mean maybe don't follow them around everywhere but like i'm sure you can like I've I've been with like groups of people and probably my first few cons where I was like super kind of quiet and awkward as well and it's just like it's pretty normal. Um, I feel like over over time you just kind of pick up on the way you end up wanting to be and what social level works for you because, um, you know you say you're not very outgoing that's fine like you don't have to, you know. I mean, there are people that you see at cons that are, like, insane. Like, they're always yelling and screaming and around people and getting drunk. And it's just, like, I don't know where they get the energy for that. Um, Extroverts. I get more energy when I'm around people and going crazy and having 
I literally have more energy if I'm around people that are going crazy just as me. Mm. If I have people that are like calm and like I lose energy. I'm I'm a kind of guy who's who sits at the back corner of a party with another nerdy guy just talking about their interest. Like Yeah, that that's just me. I just I can do that for a little while, but I can't not, I couldn't do that for a long period of time. I feel like I'm and I got few DJ friends, but whenever I follow them, it's like they're always at room parties. It's like, uh, it's fun, but it's really crowded and everybody's drinking. And like, I can't have more than two beers. As soon as music is playing to the point where it's hard to have a conversation, I'm out. Yeah, I don't like that. Like, you can have <clears throat> yeah. a room party. And... Yeah. You can have a room party that has loud music. Yeah. That's hard to have a conversation and to like stop in and like hang out for a little bit. But to me, like, I still like to have like some verbal communication with people than yeah. just yeah. standing next to them and being in their presence and the fact that, oh, we're hanging out. <laughs> hanging out by just definition, but yeah. nothing more. Yeah. God, it's been... Well, and also, like, there are toxic people out there who might be shitty and disrespectful and mean, but, like, if you're socially awkward, you're socially awkward. If anybody is a good furry, they will be nice to you. And... um you know, the other thing you got to remember is that when you're walking around a con and you see people in, like, a really cool costume, you can just go and talk to them. They probably put a lot of effort and time and money into having that costume so that people would talk to them. Uh, not to mention there are a lot of people who are very socially awkward who wear a fursuit so that they appear more approachable. Um, you know, I met a lot of people who are, like, really quiet outside a fursuit, but then they put on a fursuit and they're, like, crazy. Um, so if, if anything, maybe that would help you out, being in a suit. I like how Elixir says in the chat, though, is uh, I become more like people I spend time around. So if I hang out with extroverts, I get more extra or get too extroverted to hang out with the introverted friends, flip it around. And people think that something's happened to me because I'm not social anymore if I hang out with the introverts. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's one of the things, too, is like if you have different friend groups, some people are very introverted. And if you come in with too high energy, yeah. they don't like that. It's like, oh, what's wrong? Why you have you have too much energy? Mm. I, I've been told that too. Like, but they say I do art commissions, fursuit, and attend cons when I can. Well, it sounds like you have interests that probably other people share. Um, so all I gotta do is strike up conversation. I mean, yeah, it's you know, you said you attend cons and you can. I mean, I find it hard to believe if you've attended a few cons and you truly know nobody, right? You have to at least know, I would hope, a few people. Um, but, and there are times where I go to cons and I spend almost the entire con just with like a few of my friends, which actually drives me crazy. Um, I usually like to kind of get out there and meet new people and, you know, find new cute people to snug. <laughs> um, yeah, like if I have, honestly, I get, have less energy with if I'm in for introverted mode. I have so little energy. But if there's someone that has like high energy or yeah. is extroverted or has like that same level energy that, I literally just adapt and snap to that. So, like, I can go a lot crazier and go yeah. to have high energy. But if I don't have that same type of energy, then. Yeah. Polytrovert. <laughs> well, and it's also difficult because. Ambivert is a word. Actually. Yeah, ambivert is a thing. Well, I think the other thing, too, is that it really depends on the kind of people you're around, right? Like, I would have called myself an introvert when I was in school. Um, but now I am social almost constantly. I mean, I'm on like Discord and TeamSpeak like almost all day. 
um, and I'm chatting with people on Telegram almost all day. Like I, I mean, maybe I'm not around people physically all the time, but it's like yeah, you got to make that distinguish in there. How? I, yeah, but I, I again, that's what I mean though. Is it, it depends, right? Like I think some people are very like grouping party social, and some people are very communication social, mm-hmm. uh, and some people are you know it's like. There's many different types of socializing, and you got to find the type that works for you, right? Don't get caught up in the whole introvert-extrovert thing. Introvert-extrovert is basically just this. If you're introverted, it is draining to be around others. Or, or to so, socialize with others, you So you say. would rather like, – that, that's not to say that you don't like socializing. It's just that in its core, when you're around others, it's draining. You would rather sit and be playing a game alone or read a book alone if you're truly introverted – you could care less about going outside. So the pandemic has barely affected you. If you're introverted, this is like every normal day for you. Yeah. The fact that you don't have to leave your house or go out or anything like that, that would be someone who is introverted. Well, they someone have, who doesn't care, rather. Yeah. But basically an introvert. Like you, what, what has transpired where we can't go into groups Yeah. would not affect an introvert, introverted a- person. As much. Now. Yeah. Yeah. But I think if you're extroverted, you gain energy from being around others and you crave to be around others more. I would say I'm extroverted then. Yeah. yeah. So the, 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 look at the basic concept of what mm-hmm. introvert and extrovert is. Extrovert, you gain more energy when you're around others. Yeah. Introvert, you lose to be around someone is taxing for you and you lose energy when you're around them. But, but an, an introvert can still be outgoing and an extrovert can still be awkward. Yes. Yeah. And I don't know. Uh, one thing that I want to dig more into is that. It, like let's say an introvert hang- has this one good friend like and hanging out with that friend wouldn't be that draining for that introverted person it's fine but they have with core, that kind of relationship well usually introverted people have a more like i'd say demi type level of like i don't know like they, well i think everybody needs a bit of a mix yeah but, but basically like there's going to be exceptions to the rule of that nature mm. but in general if you meet a stranger as an introvert, yeah, it is completely draining for you. Yeah. Whereas someone who's extroverted meeting a stranger, if the stranger has high energy, it can be completely uplifting and giving you more energy. Mm. So I, I try, introverted and extrovert gets thrown around so often that just put it down to basic concepts. Mm-hmm. Introverted people like to be alone. Well, I, I would also just mm-hmm. say in this context, it also doesn't matter. Yeah. Like if they are, because keep in mind, this person is emailing us saying that they are lacking the kind of connection and friendship that they want. No, I was just trying to like and, and describe so, introvert and extrovert as we were yeah. say, using it so often. But I just mean, as far as this person is, you know, um, as far as spin the pink mammoth is concerned, uh, they clearly are are wanting. Uh, I, I, I like how Tantor would do that As an introvert, I think my battery has now been overcharged. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So that's one of the things, too, is, like, I feel like anyone who's extroverted or introvert, yeah. you can get an overcharge. Like, yeah. too much time alone, and it, then it starts to negatively impact you, and you start to lose energy. Or mm-hmm. just as someone who's extroverted, if you're constantly running and socializing nonstop and you're never alone, it has the same overcharged feeling, and it starts to become draining. Yeah. Well, cabin fever is also real, right? Like, I work really hard to make my living environment, like, super cozy in the place that I want to be all the time because that's just, like, my hobby. Um, I'm, I'm a very homebody kind of person. But I actually somewhat enjoy going to work sometimes because when I go to work, it kind of exposes me to what isn't mine. And then I get really excited to go home and be cozy. Uh, and so if I was trapped inside of a really nice cabin, 
I would probably go crazy. But being able to go out and experience I, I, I would world, rather be trapped in a mansion. I, I can be trapped in a mansion for a while. Okay. Well, anyway. <laughs> if we have, like, you know, 40 rooms, like, if there's a giant mansion with, like, a huge property, pools, and, like, hot tubs, you know, I'll, I'll take being trapped in a mansion. I wouldn't. I, I gotta, I have to travel. I actually learned how to be okay with doing not a whole lot during this pandemic, because for past, I don't know, six years, I've been going to school, and I've been doing, like, uh, pilot license programs and whatnot. I've always been on the schedule of like, I'm on the dot. I have to do everything on the hour and go to sleep at like midnight and then wake up to do this another study. And being this pandemic made me insane for the first few months because like I should be doing something, but I'm not doing anything. This is driving me nuts. And it took a while to tell myself. Don't worry, you got a full is, another year yeah, and two it is, months. It is, like, it, is, it is okay to, to be. To come to terms with the pandemic. Yeah, it is okay to be not productive. It, it, you should have the drive to be productive, but you should also understand that you, there is a limit to it if there is a pandemic going on. And you can only do so much. And you can try little things. You know, that's why I studied some time studying, like, IT. That was fun and great. You know, that felt productive. It wasn't as insane as what I you went mind When we through. say productive, we don't just mean getting work done. We also mean, like, your hobbies, yeah. your interests, getting to explore, getting mm-hmm. to, yeah. You got up and did a thing today. You've been productive. Nowadays, I'm happy that I walked for, like, an hour and then I... Oh, that's a huge run for us. Yeah. That's going to be rough because... Ruski and I like to take a lot of walks, and now the weather is shit. I can take walkies anytime at any temperature. I did walkies back in minus 40 degrees Celsius. Is you who yep. don't like cold weather that's below yep. 18 degrees Damn Celsius. Damn fucking right. Fuck the cold. I love the cold. I hate it. I, 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 love, I, honestly, I love the moderate cold. I honestly like, wish that I did like cold, because I feel like I would be a lot happier. Because I straight up like I'm so uncomfortable in winter. I went. To I like school. moderate cold. Like I went 32 degrees to like you know 35, all or all down to maybe like 25 degrees, yeah. where like the snow is still like soft and like that, or like it's just a little melty. I don't like when it gets like. I'd rather it be, but I'd rather it stay like 30 degrees like that. 30 like right around for you. 20. Yeah, I don't like when it fluctuates. I don't like when we have like a 20 degree day. A negative 10 degree day and then a 40 degree day and then a 60 degree day and then back to a negative like fair speaking in fahrenheit by the way negative five degree day i'll talk in celsius i love a bright sunny day brisk not a thing of moisture minus 24 degrees celsius that's like a great walking weather for me what's that in fahrenheit uh minus 24 is it's probably minus 25 in Fahrenheit. I think because it's minus it's, 24. I think anything below zero is still just negative. Like, like I think it converges. Yeah, anything below zero converges. It starts to converge toward minus 40. But they scale differently. Oh. Anyway. Uh, all right, are we... I learned that at least. Are we done? Uh, min- minus... That's like minus 22 Fahrenheit. No, so. thanks. <laughs> no, like, no, no, I, no, no. I don't want, I don't want that close. Like, I don't... I'll take zero Fahrenheit. I like to exist in an environment where if I don't have clothes on, I won't die. <laughs> I, That's okay. what fucking Where's the kills fun me. in that? That's what kills me. About when it's like, I just don't like. And I completely <laughs> understand because I had a pretty serious depressive episode long time ago. 
and I was suicidal. And one of the ways that I was gonna commit suicide was by sleeping in blizzard in the middle of the night. So yes, that proves your point. You can't die in cold. Yeah. Yeah, that proves your point. You can die in cold. <laughs> Thanks for that. Uh, I, 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 just, I never thought that was possible. I just thought, you know, <laughs> you just stayed that way. Like, you know, uh, like someone yeah. comes and just unthaws you out, you know. <laughs> I, just, I never would have thought, you know, hmm, any temperature technically below 90 degrees, <laughs> you could die in, you know, from being too cold. <laughs> I mean, I I enjoy cold only if I got good jackets on, though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I prefer my 23 degrees Celsius room. Thank you very much. Too hot. So I would like this room to be like 60 degrees. Oh, it'd be so nice. Like, where you get a chill, like that's, that's the nice... Wow, did you know that different people like different temperatures based on their physical complexion? Whoa! <laughs> Never you know, would have thought. You know what you can do? You can always add more layers, but you can't take many layers off. You, you mm. can't take more. Yeah, and if you do take them off, you'll die. <laughs> Death becomes us all. <laughs> Eventually. <laughs> no, I, I much prefer my, my warm, cozy room. That's who I am. Florida. This is why your species is going extinct. <laughs> <laughs> Too picky with weather. <laughs> Too picky with weather. <laughs> Gotta learn to adapt to the cold. <laughs> then your species can survive. Be like gray wolves. <laughs> Be like foxes. We get a winter coat. We just, we're naturally born for winter. Uh, sounds uncomfortable. <laughs> ploof. Or poof. Ploof. Yeah, we ploof out. <laughs> learn to be poof. I'm surprised I don't live in Southern California. Well, you'll be burning. <laughs> you'll be burning to death. It'd be burning alive. <laughs> Depends on where exactly. Well, it'd be yeah. 120 degrees. If you didn't have AC, it'd be pretty rough. Yeah, it really depends. Yeah, it depends. But just knowing that my friends had to evacuate because they live in a... Well, also, you'd be burning alive by fires. Depends on where. <laughs> Well, there's a lot of areas right now in, like, the whole western United States that is just kind of, like, fire. <laughs> like, like, but it's not just, like, stationary. It's fast-moving fire. It's, like, fire sprinting. <laughs> so there's that. How many rows Paradox Red Wolf? Socialize. That'll get you uh, <laughs> better at socializing. And I, I laugh with this basically. Like, you don't start off good. And basically, you're not going to be happy with your results at first. Yeah. And you're going to fuck up sometimes. And you know what? You're going to notice it more than anyone else does because we're of our own worst critics. And, and someone else probably doesn't even care what the, that you screwed up a word or you mispronounced something or you did something like that. And it's probably not even on their mind, but it's going to be on yours. But guess what? This Over time, as you socialize with people more and more, you get better at it. And sometimes you just got to reach out anywhere, somewhere. I reached out to when I first moved to uh, this region of the of North America. 
from the prairies. First thing that I did was I went on Facebook, went on local furries network and a Facebook page and said, hey, I'm new here. Can somebody show me the ways around here? And this guide me, brought me to McDonald's. We talked and then the next time we talked, he got flirty and I sucked his dick. That was my first dick (laughs) suck ever. (laughs) I love the chat. Paradox could visit Australia, so Australia came to us. I just want to point out, I just want to point out, I was going to visit Australia and New Zealand for a second time, and that flight got canceled because COVID. So Australia's fires came here to, like, so you could feel more at like, like you were in Australia, but without ever leaving. California is on the opposite side of the country of us. I know. But it's, it's making its way this way. It just had, it has a long way to travel. Okay. <laughs> It's been trying to get closer to you. Australia's like, I'm here. <laughs> I'm in your host, Paradox Red Wolf. Up in your cold loving tiger. Excuse me! Excuse me! What? <laughs> when do you go second? Okay, uh, I will reverse that. <laughs> Excuse me! I've been your fabulous Blue Fox, host, Pharaoh. <laughs> and I'm your cold loving tiger, Maruski. Mao. <laughs> Excuse me. Thanks. They will clip all of your mics. 